And now, introducing the man who is seen eating cicadas for lunch so there's less noise in his backyard. The man who had a single tear roll down his face when he saw the Hawks pull off a win last night and was so upset to see the Mavericks lose that he committed to watching all 12 seasons of Shark Tank just to see more of Mark Cuban. He is Glenn Clark. And good morning from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio Press Box. It is Glenn Clark Radio, a Monday edition of the program after what was a very busy weekend. So much to discuss. Yes. Uh, Zach Goodman is back with us this morning. Um, I don't think it's permanent. I don't think that's the case just yet. Just but, might be at this point. But I'm worried. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm a little worried. Uh, Kyle says he's arriving back from Colombia uh, at some point during the course of this morning, we will see if that ends up being the case or if somehow the uh, there is a detaining and and bigger issues. I'm just not sure, but I uh, appreciate Zach uh, on his toes being back in here this morning to help out as uh, Kyle was not able to make it back in time for today's program. We got a lot to do on the show today. We're in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio at Pressbox. Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. We will, yes, discuss a good bit of the Julio Jones this morning. Our guy, Derek Mason, of course, who knows a thing or two about the team that Julio Jones is going to and knows a thing or two about the team that he's not going to, former Ravens and Titans receiver, is going to check in with us this morning, share some thoughts on uh, what didn't happen and what did. Also later on, uh, Greg Rosenthal, my buddy from NFL.com, yeah, we'll talk about Julio with Greg Rosenthal, but we are sure as F going to talk about the French Open as well. Novak Djokovic in trouble this morning. Down two sets, although he just got a break in the third set against uh, the Italian Musetti. Uh, so we will chat uh, with um, Greg Rosenthal about that. Of course, Greg and I are hosting a podcast called Only Slams during the course of the French Open. We've been enjoying doing that. Thank you to those of you who have checked it out. If you haven't, shame on you. You are dead to me. Dead, Don. Dead, dead, dead. Even if you don't like tennis, just go like, subscribe, do the whole thing. It just it'll help me out in this process, please and thank you. Uh, and also, it's Monday, so Jeremy Khan will check in with us. I I made back. I lost a lot of money uh, because of Jeremy's uh, advice last week, which is fine. I accept that. That's that's the price of doing business. Um, but I made it all back up for the most part, betting on tennis. Um, I think I got all the money back that I lost. I want to double check. I don't think I bet Djokovic today, so I think I'm all right no matter what occurs in this match. Yeah, I've got I've got a lot of money on Iga Sviantek later on today. I know that's a that sounds a, like a cr- you, you know a lot about Iga. That's Shviantek. a wild name right there. She's that is the a defending r- French Open champion. You should know about. I her. probably should. Uh, Iga Sviantek, but uh, that's I didn't bet. I didn't bet Djokovic. I also I it was it was painful for me. I did not bet Nadal, and I love betting Rafa Nadal. I at the do French know who Open. that is. But uh, I like Yannick Sinner a lot, and I'm a little bit nervous about that one. So I laid off of that. Uh, anyway, uh, Jeremy Connell will join us a little bit later on. We'll talk about uh, some betting. We'll talk some Orioles, of course. Uh, a, a very entertaining weekend. Look, there was a lot going on this weekend in general. There is so much that we could get to on this program today. I don't know that we're going to have time for all of it. Obviously, the, the Julio thing is going to take up a chunk of it because it's over now, right? Like, as of, at, there's nothing more to discuss after this moment. We will not bring up Julio Jones' name again until um, the season begins and he's playing for the Tennessee Titans. Um, 
quickly on the Orioles, uh, it is a, a marvel watching Cedric Mullins. It, it truly is. It's yes. remarkable. I, I don't know what the, you know, we, we tried doing the how do we talk to our kids about Cedric Mullins bit a few months ago. I don't have the answer still to this day because I don't really, if you believed it was just going to be a one month, wow, what a month this guy had, it's not that. Right. But it's still not enough to say in June that this is proof that Cedric Mullins is going to be um, a, a top-notch Major League center fielder for the next five years. Do I think there's going to be some crazy market for Cedric Mullins? I don't know. His skill set is is definitely more valuable than Trey Mancini's is, but there's less of a track record, and I, I don't know who the specific team is that needs a center fielder. I I, I, I will say this. I cannot fathom the Orioles trading Cedric Mullins. I, I just do not see that being one of the, the many guys that they could trade. Cedric Mullins... Well, I don't know that there are many guys that they could trade. Well, I mean, you, you, we, we talked about the, him before. I mean, you look at Mancini, you look at Santander, you look at John Means as all possibilities. Maybe a Paul Fry, a Tanner Scott. Yeah, maybe. These right. uh, Freddie Galvis is a guy who could easily be out the door. I don't think there's any trade market for Freddie really Galvis needs at all. A shortstop. I, I, think, I think we want to believe there's a market for Freddie Galvis. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, it's and not it huge. does not exist, which doesn't mean you can't. You know, somebody might not just say, "All right, fine. Here's here's nothing for him. Like we'll we'll take him." But <laughs> here's some international getting... bonus money. Michael yeah, Elias maybe, might take that. Maybe, might take maybe. that. Um, I I'm not telling you that I think they're going to trade Cedric Mullins. I I don't know. I I don't. But it's such a weird conversation to have because there yeah. this conversation didn't exist a couple months ago. There, there was no world in which trading Cedric Mullins was even on your radar. In March, it right there, there was Cedric Mullins was barely on the radar in March, and that's that's the reality of how kind of wild this has been. Right, I I don't I I keep coming back to I have less of a feel for this than I do either of the other two significant situations, Mancini and Means. Santander, it's tif- tough to get a feel for that either. I'm not sure that there's a market for Santander right now, just because he's been hurt too much. Right, I, I think it's I, a, I it's agree. a it's a real tough thing. For anybody to look at him as their guy, unless he was just someone that they scouted and they liked and they really wanted in the rule. For. I, I don't think that's a trade deadline move right now. The Mullins thing is interesting because I don't know how anyone can really have a feel exactly for what Cedric Mullins is, other than to say he's really hot. I mean, he's, he's, he's off right. to an unbelievable start. He is, at the moment, as torrid as anybody in baseball is in a smaller sample size. I mean, we're just talking about the last nine at-bats. It's been ridiculous. I don't. I just don't know. I don't know what any of that means. I have far less a feel for Cedric Mullins than the other two. Of course, obviously, the John Means situation further complicated over the weekend, and that is significant, by the way. I think that's very significant. Very significant. I mean, especially for for a guy who's looking to win a Cy Young. I think that's that's significant in that. And then obviously in the trade value as well. If the Orioles were looking to trade John Means, if they were having any preliminary discussions right now about about a July trade, because I'm sure teams are starting to to talk about some of these guys, then that could have been a, a red flag for many teams looking at a John Means trade. Oh, I mean, especially if we're talking about the only way that you do it is if you're getting an astronomical return. Uh, yes, It's tough exactly. to get an astronomical return for a guy that... Right. Is it doesn't appear to be right. A guy that is dealing with this amount of fatigue that already had a start pushed back earlier and now has this happen to boot. Right. And and maybe it'll be just fine. And if he comes back and 
starts every fifth day between now and July 31st and is as dominant as he was for the first month of the season, maybe you can rebuild that to an astronomical level. But it it requires all of that, and that's a lot to ask right now. It is concerning, seriously concerning when it comes to John Means. Overall, an entertaining weekend. The difficult part being, as I keep reminding you, the results don't really matter to me. So entertaining, and yes, watching them score run after run after run after run yesterday, neat. But you know, trying to make it seem like it was a big deal, they took two out of three from the Indians. It's the same way that I said that it wasn't a big deal to me that they had lost all those games. The, 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 the unfortunate, results. the unfortunate part about the Orioles scoring eighteen runs is that they'll come out in the next game and score, you know, yeah, maybe. zero or one, maybe, which is right. which is the usual, uh, the the usual Oriole way after they score or, many runs in, in one the, game. Or the tricky part for some people will be that, like at the end of the year, it could be that there's them having a weekend like this is what ends up being the difference. It's it's very difficult when you're this team. This is why I go back to the results not mattering. It's difficult to feel joy about victories. It's difficult to feel pain about losses. It's the exact other way, right? Like, it's not that things are so bad that you feel pain in victory. I didn't feel pain that they lost four of the last five, but there is the part, or that they won four out of the last five, but there is the part of me, it's, it's filed back away, that says it's still possible that we'll get to late September and will say, gee, gosh, golly, if they had only lost three more games, they'd be in shape to get the number one pick. Right. I, I, uh, right. That's a September problem to deal with. That's an offseason problem to deal with. But all these things are real when you deal with the Orioles. It makes it tough. So the Orioles got you know, some of my attention this weekend. Maryland baseball got a good amount of my attention this weekend. I tried to watch. I think I watched three of the four games they played this weekend. Um, they ran into a buzzsaw in East Carolina last night having to play – it's already difficult for the team that loses. When you lose the first game of a regional, it's just really difficult because it guarantees that if you stay alive, you're going to have to play a doubleheader on Sunday, and the second game is going to be against a team that didn't have to play a doubleheader on Sunday, and they, by the way, are likely to be the best team in the regional. And that's what they ran into, and they were competitive, and it was thoroughly entertaining, and, and college baseball is a lot of fun. I just mm-hmm. I can't get into it when I don't have a, a dog in the race. I have to have... I absolutely have to have a team that I'm interested in in order to be super. Or like the scenario that we saw play out a couple years ago where it was Adley Rutschman against um, Blaine Knight Blaine in Arkansas. Knight. Yeah. yeah, like that, that, of course, of course I can get into that. Right. And, and you know, there's not going to be a similar situation to that um, that's going to play out in the College World Series this year. But the, the, the product is entertaining. It's not perfect baseball, but... It's still an entertaining product. I enjoyed it, and it was a bummer that Maryland ended up falling short, and they're out of the NCAA tournament as East Carolina moves on. I spent a lot of time with the soccer last night. Boy, did I spend a lot of time with the soccer last night. That was a thriller. Uh, the, the UEFA Nations League, which is a thing. Nobody has any clue what it really is. It's some make-believe tournament they put together in order to have a tournament. That's fine. <laughs> it got us a U.S.-Mexico final that turned into a GD classic. Um, Christian Pulisic draws the foul. An extra, I mean, it's got everything. It's got Zach. The bummer for Maryland fans is you get Zach Steffen getting hurt, right? Like, And then it's awesome to see Ethan Horvath has to come in, and he plays unbelievably well when he comes in, makes – one of the most daring saves in U.S. soccer history. I mean, that, that PK save in extra time 
will go down amongst the great saves in the history of U.S. soccer. And somebody say, hey, that's kind of a low bar. It's not like <laughs> right. It's not like U.S. With soccer the, has men's a, team. a storied history. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair with the men's team specifically. It's not like there's a storied history of big money saves. Tim Howard yeah. made a lot of saves. Unfortunately, it was so rare. It, it's Tim Howard's maybe greatest game ever was the, uh, the match against Belgium in the World Cup, and they lost. Like, right. they lost. And yet he was unreal by far the best player on the pitch that day um so it's a low bar for these types of things but my god ethan horvath in that situation coming in cold off the bench and making great saves to help get them to extra time and then obviously the pk save which was just otherworldly it was it was beyond thrilling you had uh, them fall behind twice equalize and then Pulisic draws an obvious foul and converts the PK in spectacular fashion. They win. It's Mexico. It's all of the nonsense. It's the fans throwing things on the field. I mean, it was just, it was such great theater last night for a tournament, again, that no one has ever heard of. And there is no reason for us to care at all that the United States won the UEFA Nations League, whatever the F that is, but it was the real teams. They didn't send the Gold Cup rosters. They didn't send the Olympic rosters. They sent the real teams to use as a tune-up for World Cup qualifying, and the U.S. beat Mexico, and that's always going to be a really big deal. Yep, yep. Um, massive, thrilling, exhilarating stuff last night um, in the, the U.S. soccer. I didn't spend a lot of time with the basketball play. I spent no time with the hockey playoffs this weekend. It's not that I won't. Right, right there with you. I'll get back. You know, like when they get to the the conference finals, I'll probably get back into it. Um, but I didn't spend any time with the hockey. I spent a little bit of time with the basketball this weekend. Mm-hmm. I did watch uh, some of Game Seven uh, yesterday, Zach, that you alluded to in the open. Yes. Um, not, you know, it for a moment it looked like the Mavs maybe had a run in them late, but not really. Um, no, I mean, they were losing pretty badly until until then. So they it, they, it they is kind of remarkable that they were ever in this series. I mean, that they were able to take this series seven games, given the fact that it's it's really Doncic, right? It's, Porzingis, it's, and nothing else. Yes, I mean that it roster is, it is, is two stars and, and not much else. And and Porzingis isn't even. I don't know that well, I would go well, as far. Well, as I would say star. when he was with the Knicks, most people thought he was. Well, I think people, now, I think uh, people were aware of him. I don't know yeah. that he was ever. A, Maybe he was just a star because of who he was in New York. I mean, it's always easier right. to be to be in New York and be labeled a star when you're not. Someone like a Gio Urshela. I mean, solid baseball player, but people maybe make him out to be a little more than he is. I don't disagree. I mean, Derek Jeter. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, that's, For the, sure. way, that's the way this works. Um, you know, that was a bummer. The, the Hawks game was very entertaining. I mean, that was, yes. that was yes. outstanding entertainment value in game one of that series. Sixers fans already losing their mind because this is the process, <laughs> and you're not supposed to lose to, Trust the process. to a, essentially a one-player team in yeah. game one of the conference semifinals when, when you're the team that's had a process, and this was it's all supposed to be coming to fruition now. The dirty little secret being, does anybody actually think the Sixers would beat the Nets anyway? No. <laughs> no. It's not going to happen. Come on. Um, but that was, a, that was a very entertaining game uh, for what it was. So that got a little of my attention. I feel like there was something else that got some of my attention this week. Oh, I, you know, the Belmont got some of my attention this weekend, although it didn't. It, it felt a bit like an exhibition. Um, there, you want to – here's a bummer for the weekend. I absolutely – said that it, i mean my wife and i are talking i'm like oh we got to put some money on essential quality we got to put money on essential quality we got to put money and then i just plum forgot just 
utterly forgot. Did you ask Rick from Reisterstown what no, his opinion I, I, was? I did not care about that. <laughs> um, I, I sat down. We went to dinner with a couple that we're friends with. And I sat. And I even met, brought up. I'm like, I've had a good couple of days tennis betting. So I can afford for us to lose a little money. Let's 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 have some fun betting essential quality. And then we got in going in conversation, pulled out the phone to watch the race, sitting at dinner, and utterly forgot to put any money on essential quality. So I'm celebrating. I'm like, and then I it, it strikes me. I'm like, oh my god, we never put the bet in. What the hell is <laughs> wrong with us? So that was a bummer. But essential quality wins the Belmont, gets Brad Cox's first uh, triple crown race win as a trainer. Is that was that everything that got my attention this week? I know a lot of people were talking about this John Rahm story in golf. I, I get it. It's awkward. I. It's pretty clear they had a rule in they they have a rule in place that if you test positive, you're out. That's the way it goes. And he tested positive, so yeah, the circumstances unfortunate. And I think it's a great time to revisit the rule and look at everything going on in the world and try to figure out if there's a way. But I'm guessing that this has a lot to do with their insurance that they can't let a guy who tested positive play. I'm going to guess their insurance company would say, no, no, you're not changing the rule and saying if you're ahead by five strokes going into the final round and you test positive, you get to play anyway. And like people are talking about why can't they just let him go out there and play by himself without a partner, or, you know, play early in the morning. And that's because they have a TV partner. Like, come on, man. We're not this stupid. It's not we we know better than this. That's not how this these things work. Um, and because they got insurance involved, and the insurance company is going to say, no, we're not doing that. We have to show that we did everything in our power the moment that we found out there was a positive to eliminate it. So I don't I'm not a golf guy. I don't want to get too far into that, but there was a lot of conversation about that this weekend. And I feel like there was still even something else that happened this weekend that people were talking about that I I don't think we've covered Julio Jones in too well, that's much what depth I, that's, yet. The idea is that I'm going to get through all the other things yes. that happened. Yes, okay, we fair enough, fair Julio enough. Jones. Maybe that's it. Maybe that was all that was on my radar uh, for this weekend. Feels like that's almost it, you know. Um, I'll go with it. Big sports weekend for sure. But, I mean, and the Ori- there's there's honestly. Well, it's, and it's a bummer of a sport. The bummer about this is there was a lot going on, but mm-hmm. yet none of it is so significant that it drives conversation. And everybody gets right. to choose what they're specifically into. If you are into sideshows and embarrassments and and having your money stolen from you, you probably watched um, uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather last night. If you're yeah. into sports, if you're into actually high-level competition and things along those lines, there was plenty of that this weekend. But nothing that's such a dominant topic that it's what everyone is talking about today. There's just none of those individually from a big weekend, from a weekend where it felt like there was constantly something going on, None of those that individually stand out as being a predominant topic. Instead, it's all of this sort of potpourri, if you will, that exists from the world of sports this week. And all of it, which, by the way, for the, uh, outside of the the freak show they did last night down in Miami, outside <laughs> of that, um, all of it, I think, is compelling. I mean, I, my God, I haven't mentioned the tennis. The tennis has been unbelievably compelling in hell. This morning, Novak Djokovic was down two sets. He raced back and won the third set. We'll see how the rest of it goes. Um, you had Roger Federer withdrawing, which was, again, if you pay attention, not that surprising. He was sort of playing the French Open for the sake of playing the French Open. He still thinks he can compete at Wimbledon. He believes that he could still make a run at Wimbledon. And so after playing a long match on Saturday night, he said, no mas. Like, I'm good. I came here to play one more time. 
it, a lot of people think it'll be the last time he ever plays the French Open. He wants to go back one more time and, and sort of say thank you to everybody there, get some matches under his belt, stay healthy, and give himself the best chance to compete at the one place where he has his best chance of making a run, and that's at Wimbledon. So, you know, if, if you're paying attention, you get that. If you're someone who casually pokes at tennis during Grand Slams, you probably were like what the hell roger Federer is withdrawing after he won that makes no sense well you got it you sort of have to know the circumstances a little bit better so with all that said we get to the topic du jour today um today's show by the way brought to you by window nation right now get 50 percent off all styles of windows plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. So, we've been talking about it for the last couple of months, going back to before the draft when the rumblings began, and we finally have an answer. Well, none of us really believed it was going to be the Ravens. It was one nice to hope, and it was, it was, yeah. it was reasonable to say there's no reason why it shouldn't. And that's been fortified. And I got a column coming about that today at PressBoxOnline.com. Julio Jones is going to the Titans for a second-round pick and change and, and some, some, some trash. I mean, it's a swap of a fourth and a sixth-round pick. Right. It's not even a second and a fourth. It's a second and a swap. It's and a future draft. Right. Um, it is a minimal price. It, it, and and the, the, the way that I'm going to put and I, I'm giving away my column, I still hope that you'll click on it anyway. Um, the way that I pose it is there are two scenarios by which it would be understandable that the Baltimore Ravens didn't end up paying this, this price to get Julio Jones. The first scenario is Julio Jones just outright said, I won't go to Baltimore. He pulled a Terrell Owens. Which I would find unlikely. It's, it's unlike... I, there have been a couple of things that I had been told by people that I had talked to that are, are within Julio Jones' circle. Mm-hmm. The first thing I was told was n- he would Baltimore would be a place he would want to be. Right. That was the first thing that I said. That, that everything about where he is in, at this point in his life, Baltimore fits with. But multiple people that knew Julio pointed out he is a warm-weather guy. And if he has the opportunity to be in a warm-weather place, he will probably prefer that. So it's totally possible that the options are put down in front of him. Like, hey, we know Baltimore's interested. We know Green Bay's interested. We know, insert name here's interested. Oh, we know that, that Nashville, Tennessee's interested too. And that made Julio say, well, one of those places is in warm weather. Uh, that would be my preference. Now, that can be overcome, you would presume. You would presume that the Ravens could offer a bit more than the Titans would. The Falcons would go back and say, look, we, we, we get that you would rather be in, in a warm weather place, but we've got a better offer from the Ravens, and are, are you seriously going to just become a, a curmudgeon, which is so unlike Julio Jones, for him to be a guy that would say, come hell or high water, I'm not going there. Either you're trading me to the Titans or I'm quitting football, essentially, right? Like, it it's possible and i have to put that on the table it's it seems unlikely it seems almost impossible but it's not impossible when we'll never really know unless one of them volunteers to tell us that unless at some point julio jones volunteers to say 
I was only ever going to the Titans or I was only ever going to a warm weather place, whatever it is, we'll never actually know that. It's, it's unlikely, but not impossible. The second part is if somehow the Ravens know something medically that the rest of us don't know about Julio Jones. That the hamstring thing that he dealt with is sure. isn't just a simple hamstring thing. That we've we've got some access to his medical history. We know a guy who knows a guy, and that guy gave us some information. And we know more than the Titans do about Julio Jones medicals. Again, unlikely. Again, very unlikely. Not impossible, and so I have to say that. Mm-hmm. But very unlikely. The unfortunate part is, if it's one of those two scenarios, we'll almost certainly never know that. But those are the scenarios, both unlikely, but both have to be put out there when we have this conversation. Because otherwise, we have to be critical. This is a miss. 100%. It's a miss. This is a it's, m- it's a miss. This is a move that should have been made for a cost that was reasonable all of the other stuff that we're doing now to make ourselves feel... We want to believe that the Ravens always do the right thing. We want to believe the Ravens sure. always know best. The Ravens always get things right. And for what it's worth, the Ravens have earned uh, some it, of that. Some of it. Yes. Because they've gotten a lot of things right over the years. And they've won a lot. So, yeah. 100%. It, 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 is, it is fair to a point to say that. It's not actually correct. The Ravens have gotten a ton of things wrong. And nothing more than their many decisions at wide receiver. Their, their wide receiver decisions are, are, it's not close. They've gotten about 10% of them right over the years and about 90% of them wrong over the years. And you could say, well, the Ravens have done well with veteran wide receivers. That's not actually true either. Well, they, they, they happen to have hit on a few. Right, right. Like, then they missed on a Jeremy Macklin, a Michael a Crabtree, Mike they, Wallace. They, uh, Mike Wallace, yeah, Wallace is all right, he but was not certainly fine. not what they expected he him was to serviceable. be. Serviceable. T.J. Hushmanzada was a nothing. Yep. Kelly Washington was a. They, they have a litany. Yes. Of they once traded for Kevin Johnson during the. You know, this predates you. Not well. No, I guess it would have been mid two thousands. So you were alive. I mean, I'm well aware of him, yes, but correct. yeah, they traded for him in the midst of a draft one year and thought that could be their answer at wide receiver, and it wasn't. The, they. They have struck on a couple of veteran wide receivers, but they also have a paper trail of misses yes. among their veteran wide receivers. They, the wide receiver is the position that we have the least trust in, which, as I've said before, doesn't mean they shouldn't keep doing it. They're not good at drafting wide receivers either, but they still needed to keep drafting wide receivers too. They Correct. Still, they, even when you're bad at a position, it doesn't mean, well, this is why we just stopped trying. Right. The things that we're trying to do to make ourselves feel better about Julio Jones, Julio Jones not coming to Baltimore, things we're trying to say, well, it was just it was just the number. The num- it was a bad contract. No, it wasn't. It they wasn't they a bad easily could have made that work. Look, restructures. You restructure a guy like Campbell or maybe Marlon Humphrey. I mean, it, it can yes, happen there, easily. Yes, there was there were there were um, uh, Brian McFarland from Russell Street Report yes, had, had laid cap, out yep. a had laid out a blueprint for how it could be done, and to call it a bad contract spits in the face of reality. The reality is Julio Jones is slated to make the 10th the most of any wide receiver in football this season, and the nine guys above him on the list all had fewer yards per target than Julio Jones did. Nine of them. All nine. This is not a bad contract. This is, by the way, the next two years, it's extraordinarily favorable to the team because mm-hmm. either he's going to be really good and you're going to feel like a steal only paying him $11 million, or... He's not going to be good, and he's only got $2 million in dead cap space, and so you'll either be able to 
restructure, or outright release him with very little pain. It's an extraordinarily favorable contract. Yes. It just comes at a time where you, most teams, had already done their work to get under the cap for the year. So it causes you to have to do a little bit more work. And the more we examine the window that the Ravens have, the more you can say, okay, this contract makes a lot of sense. Oh. You, you look at you look at the money, and you look at the money they're allocating to some other positions. You look at you know cornerback where they're paying a lot of money right now. You look at the de- the defensive line where they're paying a lot of money right now. And you look at wide receiver, and it's it's pretty barren. I mean, obviously, if you've got Sammy Watkins on five million dollar deal, but they're not pouring a lot of money into this offense, and they haven't in a while. Obviously, Ronnie Stanley is making a lot of money yep. on the left side of that line, but. Yep. You're not pouring money into well, the wide receiver look, money core. is coming. Like, let's make yeah. that very clear. Money is coming even on the offseason. Clearly, your quarterback is going to get sure. paid a boatload of money. Yes. But, but the way that Julio Jones three years, even if he does nothing, right, even if there's no – and most people seem to think that he's going to do something with the Titans in order to, to, to fudge that number a bit this year. Even if he does nothing, as long as you could get him under the cap this year, this is the perfect problem to have. Either he's really good uh, – yeah, in one minute. Either he's really good and you say, awesome – this is what we thought we were getting. This is why we paid a second-round pick. We're happy to pay $11 million for a really good player. Or you're going to have the ability to say, no, that's not a guy worth paying $11 million to and getting out from under it. Now, that would suck because you'd say at that point we paid a second-round pick for, for next to nothing. But it's, it's not dooming you. It's not three years of bad cap numbers. It's one year of a tougher cap number than expected because the cap didn't go up. But you have the ability to get under the cap. There's a roadmap for it. And then it's two years of extraordinarily favorable situations. Trying to call Julio Jones' contract a bad contract is one of the dumbest things you could possibly say. You can do the bit where I've heard from Ravens fans, well, but he's older. Julio Jones is three years younger than Steve Smith was when Steve Smith came to Baltimore. Not at the end when he was acquired. By the Ravens. Steve Smith was three years older than this. We're doing all of these things to try to feel better about ourselves. Because we want to believe the Ravens always get things right. And sometimes it's okay to say, they, they missed. This was a huge chance for them, and they missed. It could end up, by the way, it could end up still, like it, there could be some world in which Julio Jones just really does approach, approach a cliff in his career. It happens sometimes. I would bet significantly against it, but it's possible. But on paper, knowing what the cost was, knowing everything about their situation, everything about his situation, it's okay for us to just say, as a fan base, this is a miss. This was a big opportunity to do something significant, and they missed. Doesn't mean they can't win a Super Bowl. Doesn't mean... You know, fire Eric DaCosta. It's just okay to say in a vacuum, this is a miss. Let's talk more about it now. Friend of mine, one of my favorite people, of course, uh, the greatest receiver in Ravens history, uh, the greatest receiver in Tennessee Titans history, at least for now. There's a couple guys that want to challenge him. Um, he is, of course, our friend Derek Mason, and he joins us once again here on GCR. Mace, it's Glenn. I'm fired up this morning. It's always great to chat with you, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Uh, no problem. Anytime, fellas. What, what, you know, when, when you first started hearing about Julio Jones being available, obviously the Titans being interested, everybody in Baltimore was interested. 
What was your thought process, man, about this guy at this place in his career and what he could do for a team? Um, you know, it's tough um, because this is a guy that, you know, you can debate, you know, for hours, you know, who the best receiver is now. And I'm pretty sure you'll come up with three or four different names. Um, but prior to this season, if you look over the last six years, Julio Jones has been the best receiver. Maybe he doesn't get the most press because he's not as flashy as the other ones. Um, but he's averaged over 13, 1,400 yards, six straight seasons. Um, and I think the only other guy that came close to that or did that uh, was Torrey Holt when he was with the Rams. Um, now, Jerry, Jerry Rice is a different breed. Yeah, right, right. But but I, there was not too many receivers that could average a six-year span over 14, 1,500 yards, and Julio was able to do that. Did that get them a Super Bowl victory? No, it didn't. Um, did that get them to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Now you look at a guy that's 32, going on 33, dealing with some injuries. Um, you know, is he the last piece for a team to not just make it to the Super Bowl, but win the Super Bowl? And I don't know if he's the final piece, especially here not, not here in Nashville, because, you know, you add Julio Jones, you're just replacing what you, what you lost in Corey Davis because – you know, Corey Davis, quality speaking, had a great year last year. His mm-hmm. catching efficiency was one of the best in the National Football League. I think he was a top 10 catcher in the National Football League. Yes, you get, you know, Julio Jones, his pedigree and his history, everything else. But you had a young guy that fit well in the system. So you take out one, you you, you insert another Um Yes, you get a little bit more because of the reputation of Julio Jones, but I don't. Other than that, I don't think you add much more. Will he help the offense? Absolutely, he will help the offense. But this is not offense that's going to go from being a you know a top ten or top five offense to being a number one offense in the National Football League. That's just not how they're built. They're built to run the football and play action pass. So Julio's not going to catch ninety balls or hundred balls in his system. So. You know, was it a good move, I think? Um, yeah, because I think John Robinson has done a really good job since he's been here. But is this the move that put him over the top and make the Super Bowl? I don't, I don't know because their defense is, is their Achilles heel right now. And unless they get that situation rectified, then, yeah, they'll make it to the playoffs, but how far would they go in the playoffs? Mace, Even with Julio Jones. Mace, what you're alluding to with the idea of it being a final piece, do you think it's possible that he could have been that in Baltimore? <laughs> no, he still couldn't have been okay. a final piece in Baltimore. Okay. Because Baltimore, you know, they, they're dealing with their offensive line issues. They traded away um, guys. Yep. And, you know, and, 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 you know, their running back situation, even though I know that the running game is going to be what it be, which means it's going to be one of the top running games in the National Football League. But still, they didn't have that. I don't think they had that one guy that could just carry the ball 25, 30 times a game and you didn't have to split it up amongst, you know, Dobbins and the rest of those guys. So um, 
I don't. I still don't think he would have been a final piece for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, now, what the Baltimore Ravens have that the Titans don't have is an outstanding defense, and they have a electrifying quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Not to say Ryan Ryan's not good. I think he is, but Lamar is on a different level. So even adding Julio Jones. Uh, it wouldn't have been a final piece because it takes a while to build that chemistry uh, with the quarterback and the receiver, especially a quarterback and an offense that doesn't look to pass first, which Baltimore doesn't, and Tennessee doesn't either. Um, so it would have been a final piece for for Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens? Probably not. Would they have gotten to the Super Bowl I mean, uh, playoffs? Absolutely. Would that have put them in a better position to make it to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Would they have won the Super Bowl? We don't know. Derek Mason is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Mason, it it sounds like you're saying that if you're the Ravens, you'd be good not paying a second, not giving up a second round pick in order to do it because it's not so obvious that you make the move. I, I'm in a tough spot, Mace, because like I, if Julio Jones is healthy, and I get that we have to keep saying that. I, it's hard pressed for me to imagine that that you're doing much better than that, you know, than three years of Julio Jones, and and still at that point he's still only 35. We we keep trying to, you know, I I saw Derek Mason run around at 33. He was still pretty freaking good. Um, like I I'm it's hard pressed for me to think that there's a cliff coming for Julio Jones. And if you're telling me that I'm getting three years of Julio Jones that production, that that smells to me like it's worthy of giving up a second round pick to get that. It's, yeah, but that's never really been been um, Baltimore's mo. You know how they operate. Um, they do a really good job at evaluating players in the draft. They do a really good job at bringing these rookies in and getting them caught up on on the Raven way. And you know, a year, two or three years down the line, these guys are all pro players. Uh, and then they do a good job at targeting certain. But it hasn't always been that way at receiver, Mace. You know, like for <laughs> yeah, every right. like that's and that's the part that's tricky about this because I, uh-huh. you're right, you're right, and and there are examples. Obviously, you know, you know, Tory was really good to start his career, uh-huh. and you know, Hollywood Brown's been good. Like you know, it may, there are people that are disappointed because you know AJ Brown went right after him, and AJ Brown's been even better. But like he's been good. But like that, I think that's the tricky part about this is that. You're struggling to get wide receivers to sign here. Your draft history at wide receiver has been iffy. Here's your chance. <laughs> like, there's, there's, there, we know what this guy is. It's like when they went and got Anquan years ago. You knew what he was. You knew what you were getting. You didn't. You couldn't screw it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're absolutely right about that. And I don't think you would have. You know, I'm not sitting here and saying, and you know, if Eric would have, you know. And pull, you know, push the button and 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 went all in and got um, um, Julio. That you know, the offense wouldn't have benefited from it. I think they would have. Um, but if you look at their offense right now, they have arguably one of a, you know a top two or three tight end in the National Football League. Um, Brown is an emergent um, young receiver. Um, he shows flashes yep. and. He's a big play guy. Sammy Watkins, he's dependable. He still has speed, great hands. Um, they got the rookie, uh, Rashad Bateman. Yep. Um, so this team is in a position to groom these young guys and to grow these young guys. Now it's up to these young guys to take that step, along with Lamar Jackson. Um, so regardless, if, if Lamar doesn't take another step, 
whether you go get Julio Jones, uh, whether you go get, you know, um, any Antonio Brown or right, right. Evans, any one of these receivers, any one of these receivers out here, if you go get those guys and Lamar doesn't take another step, then it's for nothing. But I do believe, not to say that Lamar is not going to take a step because I think he has because he's, he's gotten better each year sure. he's been a starter sure. there. So I expect him to get better this year. Um, but, you know, to go out and get these guys and give up second round picks or first round picks to get them. Uh, and then if it doesn't work, you, you set your franchise back a few years. So, you know, I believe uh, in in the Baltimore Ravens franchise. Everything they've done since, you know, since I've known since this 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 franchise stepped foot in you know in Baltimore and became the Ravens. Um, I think in ninety ninety seven somewhere around yeah, ninety six. Yep. And then when I got there in '04, everything they've done, it's been to win them a Super Bowl, and they have two Super Bowl rings. So. You know, I know many people wanted Julio, and I would have loved to see him in person. Mace, we're too. selfish. You know, we're we're selfish, <laughs> man. <laughs> but believe in Eric, and believe in Bashadi, and that that coaching staff, and that front office. They they were not going to give up the farm for a guy coming off his worst season. Not to say that Julio is declining, but he's coming off his worst season because of injury. And if he gets injured again and you've given up the farm for him, what do you do moving forward? So I think Baltimore's in a good place right now. And I know a lot of people are still going to be upset, but they're going to be fine when the season comes around and this offense gets to going and that defense gets to playing. And you look up and they've won, you know, seven out of their first 10 games. Then people are going to forget about Julio Jones. And the same here in Tennessee. You know, if Julio stays healthy, if that offense stays healthy, and they score points, but the defense is not stopping anybody, then people are going to look and say, well, we could have went and got three defensive players for the price of one receiver that is not winning us any more games than we won last year. Ah. Um, so it's just kind of this, this, you know, give and take, you know, with the NFL or with, with, with certain franchises that you got to sort of, you know, deal with. Derek, it came out a few days ago that Julio Jones was looking for, number one, a contender, which obviously both the Titans and the Ravens are for the season, but also a big-armed quarterback. Now, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill or Lamar Jackson, I really fit that huge-armed quarterback that he was looking for. Obviously, Matt Ryan is more of a big-armed quarterback than both. But do you think Ryan Tannehill kind of fits that mold at all? Um, I think not necessarily big-armed. Um... Because to me, it doesn't matter how far you can throw the ball. It's how accurate you are at throwing the football. Mm-hmm. So when you when, when he speaks of big-arm quarterbacks, I mean, throw that out the window. I don't care if you got a big arm or not. I've seen guys with big arm and couldn't throw the ball in the ocean, okay? <laughs> I want a guy that's, that's efficient and a guy that's accurate. Um, and with the Titans, they're able to have that with Ryan because of what Derrick Henry does in the backfield. When you put eight men in a box and he play action and those linebackers step up and that safety steps up, that leaves you one-on-one. So you can throw the ball 20 yards down the field and be wide open. Does that make you a big-arm quarterback? No. It might result in a big play, meaning 20-plus, but that doesn't make you a big-arm quarterback. I want a quarterback that's efficient. And that's accurate. I don't care if you can throw the ball 60 yards down the field. Because how many times are, are you throwing the ball that far down the field in NFL? 
during a game, maybe five times if that. So big arm, eh, I really don't care about that. Accuracy, efficiency, knowing where to put the ball and throw the ball, that's what I care about. I mean, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Mace, I, I appreciate you trying to be the voice of reason this morning, brother. Yeah. I do. I really I appreciate to, it. It's, you not to, it's not tough to, for me. It's not, tough for me because – Well, but, man, like, I know you're and, – and I said this before you came on. Like, I'm in no world does this mean to me that the Ravens couldn't possibly win a Super Bowl next season. You know, it's going to be an uphill battle, right, because the Kansas City Chiefs still exist and – Pat Mahomes is still breathing and, and now look like, you know, you just helped them do a better job of protecting him this offseason. And so it's going to be an uphill battle. It, this just felt like the type of, like, if there was ever a time to be bold, if there was ever a time to say, let's do something a little unravens-like, which, by the way, was like what they did when they traded for Lamar Jackson, frankly. That was a little unravens-like when they did that. It just felt like this might have been a time where, we can, we can, uh, what, my, what Femi said last week, he was like, I think it takes you from having a 15% chance to a 23% chance. It doesn't, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it makes you feel better. It just sort of felt like this was the move that could do that. And again, I get it. I get it. You're right. I know you're right, but it still feels <laughs> like it would have been helpful. It would have been helpful for you to be the team at a cost that wasn't ridiculous. Yes, it would have been, but you know, look at it from this standpoint. Things are not over. There still could be trades made. Guys are going to be released. The roster is going to change. We got, what, three months? Four, yeah, three months before the season actually starts, the official season starts. Um, in the regular season, we got around two, three months. So anything can happen. You know, the, the Ravens might be able to get that one piece that they really, truly need that are going, that's going to put them in a position not to just play in an AFC championship game, but make it to the Super Bowl. What, what do you What do you think of you know like if if let's you know presuming that, that Patrick Mahomes stays healthy and the Chiefs are what we expect them to be, what is that difference, Mace, for them for the Ravens right now in order to be able to get over that hump? What's the one thing that they have to do differently, better, whatever it is, in order to beat the best teams in the AFC in the playoffs? They have to find another option other than the tight end. They have to. They have to find another consistent option other uh, than than what they've been doing. Uh, again, Mark Andrews has been wonderful, and he's going to continue to be the guy. Um, but they got to find consistency, consistent playmakers on the outside. That means Marquise Brown has to take another step. That means Sammy Watkins has to have, you know, another really good season. We have to see the Sammy Watkins of a couple of years ago. And, and again, Sammy's been good. He's been really good. Sure-handed guy, great route runner. He's been really good. And I think he's going to be the same with it here in Baltimore. And then they got to get these young guys to step up as well, too. So Mark Andrews can't be... Uh, in today's NFL, Mark Andrews can't be the in-all, be-all for the Baltimore Ravens if they are going to beat um, the Tennessee Titans or you know the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills. Yep. We saw what happened yep. last year. Yep, no you doubt. Know, when they when they went against Buffalo, Buffalo, it was hard for they made it very difficult for Lamar to get the ball to Mark Andrews. And when that happens, somebody else has to step up and step up big. Um, so when that you know 
So when they play these teams again, they're going to have to play Tennessee again. They're going to have to play Kansas City again. They're going to have to play Buffalo again and Cleveland as well. So they're going to have to find someone that is able to be a playmaker every week besides the tight end. Everything good with you, brother? Yeah, everything's great. I can't complain. You know, my daughter just graduated college. My son's finishing up his second I mean, his first year, excuse me, not his second year, his first year in college. And um, everything's going well. I can't complain. That's awesome, man. I love that. The At D-E-E Mason 85, I know how much fatherhood means to you. I know that because Derek was the type when I became a father that was checking in with me. That's That's the type of man he is. When I became a father, Derek was messaging me and – Whew, I'm st- I got it. My, my, my youngest just turned four yesterday, bro. Oh I my am. goodness, man. Uh, it's it's flying. Right? It's flying, isn't it? It's flying, dude. When- exactly. I just. I just congratulated you, what, two years no ago? No doubt, right? right? My, dude, when, when, when I met you, I think I was like 23, you know? <laughs> like, this is, life is getting out of hand, brother. Uh, Mace, I love you, man. It's always great to catch chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, anytime, you know that. I know that. Thank you, dude. Derek Mason, yes, one of my obviously favorite people, and he's been really good to me over the years, despite the fact that, um, you know, he was – he was always happy to tell you when you were wrong. Like that's that's what you knew about Mace. He was happy to tell you, and and I appreciate his voice of reason. And I I'm I, I'm not. If you hear me saying what I'm saying, and you think I'm saying, well, the Ravens should disband as an organization. No, I'm not saying that. And this is the problem. We live in in a hot take society. Where the hottest take wins, hang on a second, let me say this really quickly. C3 American Exteriors, don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or C3America.com for your free analysis. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like this is proof that Eric DaCosta doesn't know how to be a general manager. Right. I, I the, think the people that say those things are idiots. I, I think to a point people, rightfully so I should say, try to defend Eric DaCosta all the way because he is a very, very, very good general manager. But you also have to acknowledge once in a while when there is a miss. You know, the Ravens also a few years ago, they tried to get, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. They couldn't do that. Now, you know, it doesn't look like they really tried all that hard to get Julio Jones. So you can acknowledge when there is a miss. If if you want me to say which do I think is worse, than missing on Julio now or than missing on the price that was paid for either DeAndre Hopkins Second round picks. Second round picks. Or Stefan Effing Diggs. Yes. Last year. Mm -hmm. Sure, I think those are bigger misses because those were younger players. Those are players that could have changed your franchise for a very long time to come. Now, that would have been far more money that you would have had to have paid those guys over a longer period of time. But which was the bit when those two guys were available? There's this weird bit going on. And I, you know, this is not me trying to pick a fight with Jason because he's on another station. Like, I, Jason tried writing something about the way that, that, um, teams are treating wide receivers now and he it it felt like he was doing it non-critically he felt like he was doing it to sort of carry their water and I'm not accusing Jason of that it's just there was a big miss in that story which was hey the teams that acquired the wide receivers last offseason were drastically better because of it. Right. I mean, look well, look where Stephon Diggs took Josh Allen. He it took Josh Allen. completely changed the course uh, of a franchise. What did he have? 52% completion percentage goes to about 66 or even higher than that. I mean, he went from a really mediocre quarterback to an absolute star to, just because of Stephon Diggs to, and development. To an MVP caliber quarterback. Exactly. Right. And getting them into the AFC championship game. Exactly. Um, 
And, and you can say, hey, well, it worked out for Minnesota, too, because they drafted Justin Jefferson. And, yes, nobody's saying that the draft isn't somewhere where you should be finding wide receivers. But if the but the, bit, Ra- the Ravens don't do a and, great and, job And that's that. fair. But even if they did, the bit where the draft is the only place to find a wide receiver is absurd. Yeah. This is not quarterback. You draft your quarterbacks. I get it every now and then there's this, this once-in-a-lifetime thing like, Tom Brady being available at the tail end of his career, and you already have a, a pre-built roster, and so. But the notion that um, Matt Stafford is going to be the difference in the Rams suddenly being a Super Bowl, like that's not how you find you draft right. your quarterbacks. Wide receiver is not that position. Two teams, I get it. The Cardinals still ended up falling short of the playoffs last year because their roster as a whole, but they were a drastically better team. And Kyler Murray was a drastically better player because DeAndre Hopkins arrived. Exactly. They were exactly. A, it was it was incredible. And there is nothing more glaring than how much better the Buffalo Bills were because of the rival of Stephon Diggs, which doesn't mean that Josh Allen didn't also improve as a yes, player. Yes, he, he did. Or didn't you know? It doesn't nullify those things. But I made a I made an argument that Stephon Diggs should have been. We should have been talking about Stephon Diggs in the most valuable player category because we had tangible evidence of what they were before him and what they were with uh, after getting him. Value was clear. This notion that wide receiver is being suppressed. I saw an interaction that um, Greg Rosenthal is going to join us later. I'll bring it up with him. That he had with another friend of ours, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, yesterday about wide receiver. And, and hang on. Uh, Greg Rosenthal tweets, NFL teams on draft day. A, pair, a first rounder and two thirds for Elijah Vera Tucker seems fair. NFL teams in May. Eh, a first is a bit rich for one of the greatest receivers ever. Daniel Jeremiah, former Raven scout, now obviously mm-hmm. with the NFL Network, says back cost, age, and position. And I want, I want to, like those three words really kind of drove at me. Cost, not overwhelming, but I get it. It's it's difficult when you've set your cap to try to find fifteen million dollars worth of space. I'm not saying that there's nothing to that, but the overall contract, as I pointed out, extraordinarily favorable to you. So that I, I can kind of be dismissive of that. Age. We're trying to pretend like 32 is a cliff for wide receivers. And, and it might be for wide receivers that were never as good as Julio Jones was. Right. Here's a wide receiver who's never been as good as Julio Jones. The guy I mentioned earlier, Steve Smith, as never in his career, no. as great as he was, was never as good as Julio Jones. And the Ravens acquired him at 35. And he was a valuable, valuable piece. Very yeah. valuable piece. I mean, he wasn't a game changer. He didn't, you know, turn. But he was very helpful. He was far more helpful than I thought he was going to be at 35. I would agree with that, too. Um, he, I, I, I want to be careful on this. We, I think, have oversold because we like Steve Smith's personality. He was a really good player. Yeah. He's... At 35. With the Ravens, and again, obviously, at 37. he obviously wasn't what he was in Carolina no. because he's, he was 35. Right. But we're pretending like 32 is somehow the cliff. Yeah. That's insane for great wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald wasn't, didn't hit a cliff at 32. For wide receivers of Julio Jones' ilk, there is no reason to think they're falling off the face of the planet at 32. You accept you're not acquiring the player for the next eight years. I get it. I'm not getting a player for the next eight years. And then the third one is the one that drives me just absolute most batty. Position. We are pretending like we shouldn't be putting a premium 
on the wide receiver position. Something goofy is going on in the league where they're either trying to depress wide receiver salaries artificially mm-hmm. by, by de-emphasizing wide receiver. I, I don't know what the reason is because the good teams, why was Tampa Bay so desirable to Tom Brady? In part, they had a really good defense, of course. Yes, but also Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and multiple others. <laughs> Holy f! Scotty Miller. I mean, it just goes. Well, no, on. I'm not going to oversell Scotty Miller. He was a piece. He played but pretty like, well, though, to be but, honest. But but what I'm saying is, if it had been Scotty Miller and not those guys, it would not have been a desirable place. Sure. High end wide receivers, truly special game changing wide receivers, of which Mike Evans is and Chris Godwin is close. Yep. Yep. He's not. Julio Jones, he's not in that ilk, but Mike Evans is in the conversation. You go there because those talents are there, because the quarterback realizes, I didn't have him in New England. I can go there and have him. He had a great defense in New England. The defense wasn't the problem. The defense in New England was phenomenal. He didn't go to Tampa because they had a good defense. He went to Tampa because they had great wide receivers. This de-emphasis on wide receiver is bat-ass insane. It was the same nonsense that was spewed when we pretended like the story of Joe Flacco was that Joe Flacco was the problem. Instead of acknowledging it was that the Ravens had no wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, and look what happens when they gave him one. Anquan Bolden, they, they won a Super Bowl. I mean, right? And then his next best year was when Steve Smith and Torrey Smith were on the same team. Exactly. Whenever he had competent wide receiver play, he could be good. Yep, exactly. I, I, but I when totally there was agree. no competent wide receiver play, we suddenly were like, what the hell happened to Joe Flacco? Hello! When you when you have Mike uh, Mike Evans and uh, Mike Evans, excuse me, uh, Mike Wallace and, yeah. and Jeremy Macklin as your two starters, Chris receivers, Gibbons, right, Marlon uh, Brown, Kamar Aiken. I mean, these are these Rashad are Rashad Perryman. Yeah, I mean, the list goes on of of not this great is not, football players. This is it's so insane. Yes. what we're doing here. Yes, wide receiver is. The position. And of the, I, I almost feel like the Ravens have started this trend because the Ravens have always been the ones who have never really tried to overpay or really pay at all for wide receivers. The, the salary that they've given out to wide receivers and the money they've allocated there over the years has never been good. You know, obviously you have the Raven greats like a Mark Clayton or a Der- you know, Derek Mason we just talked to. Anquan Bolden was there for a few years. But the, the, the simple fact is, is that if you want to get better at the yes, position, they've, you they've have to allocate the money. they've never prioritized wide receiver. But the yes. league as a whole is trying to pretend like wide receiver is a position that you don't have to emphasize. And they're doing that spitting in the face of every piece of evidence we have, which, again, doesn't mean you can't find him in the draft. Of course you can. That's where the Vikings found Justin Jefferson. You can find wide – we all know you can find wide receivers in the draft. We've done it for an eternity. But this bit where for some reason the draft is the only place where you can find wide receivers or that you don't pay the wide receivers that have already been drafted is – is asinine. Would you feel this narrative is different if if a one was traded for Julio Jones instead of a two? I didn't want to pay a one for Julio Jones, right? No, I but if the Titans had, would you feel the narrative is different? It, which part of the narrative? Just the part that that wide receivers are now being, being undervalued as, all, uh, yeah. as a whole, right? Maybe, maybe I would feel differently about that. But you, I mean, go back to a year ago. What were DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs available for? Right. And how drastically did they help the teams they went to? 
We just want to keep pretending like this isn't a thing. Because, again, the best answer I can give is because the teams are trying to artificially depress the wide receiver market somehow. That's the only reason I can think it's the case. And I'm not suggesting that you can guarantee yourself a Super Bowl by just going and getting a wide receiver. I don't think Kenny Galladay alone is going to change the fortunes in New York. This is not a bit where if you have one wide receiver, suddenly you win. You still have to have a quarterback. You still have to have a lot of things. But trying to de-emphasize wide receiver is insanity. It, it's, I, I've n- it's the most insane thing that's happened in football. The teams that got the wide receivers were drastically better for it. Drastically. And quickly. And, and, yes. And, and it helps your – it doesn't only – In help. a year where they didn't even have an offseason. Right. They and, didn't even have an offseason. Yes. To figure things out with Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. They just said, here he is now, and they became one of the best teams in football. And people don't even think Stephon Diggs is one of the top rece- three receivers in the game. I still think he's criminally undervalued. I've, yes, I've never he's easily top this. ten, maybe even top seven. I, 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 I think there's the tangible evidence. Would suggest, I mean, obviously, he was never as productive because he had to split with Adam Thielen. It's yeah. so nuts. All right, I'm losing my mind. I'm, I'm losing my mind. We're de-emphasizing wide receivers. I agree. I, uh, I'm right there with from, you. From Brian Powell, this makes no sense considering the rules are geared to the offense. Uh, correct! Why would we be de-emphasizing wide receiver? We should overemphasize it. Everything about the position says you inherently have an advantage. Cost, age, and position. Position being a problem. And I'm not knocking Daniel Jeremiah because he might be telling the truth. The teams have just decided we're not doing this for wide receivers. But that's the bigger problem. That's insane. It's insane. I, we keep bringing up the name Sammy Watkins. No offense. I hope Sammy Watkins ends up being a productive player. But we are doing a bit where we're pretending like Sammy Watkins yeah, is something he is. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, it really hasn't been much since he was with the Bills. And that he's had one, one season in his yes, career. With the one, Bills. one, and it's been a long time. And to be fair, he did play behind Tyreek Hill and Travis it, Kelsey. But in an of, offense where they threw the ball a lot. Yes, a lot. A lot. Sure. There were plenty of balls to go around. He was barely healthy. He was. Barely healthy. He's been on the field far less than Julio Jones has been, and we're pretending like Sammy Watkins is part of the solution. And maybe he'll prove to be. He, I'm not telling you he can't, but we're doing a lot of gymnastics to try to pretend like Sammy Watkins is a solution. I haven't taken a single break today. i got to do that. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. I hope you all are enjoying me losing my <laughs> I hope you all are. John Keller says I'm a, I'm John from Little Rock is. This is crazy town de-emphasizing wide receiver in the National Football League. Holy hell! How'd that work for the Texans? How'd it work for them to de-emphasize wide receiver? They could just go draft a guy, right? And they'll be just fine. Let's just replace DeAndre Hopkins with Brandon Cooks, who's injured pretty much every week of the year. Jesus Christ. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Come back in. We'll talk to Jeremy Kahn. This, we'll get the Oreo. We'll get other stuff with Jeremy Kahn, I promise. Glenn Clark Radio. 
This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh, premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit, and after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ. Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at 
Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, back in here on GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm, I'm, I'm all fired up this morning. We're in the uh, Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio press box. Zach Goodman's in for Kyle again this morning. Uh, Zach, of course, part of the bat around every Saturday morning, 10 to noon. Don't forget about Tucker Fest on June 27th at Jerry's Toyota. Um, the event itself is free. And you need to get your meet and greet passes if you want to meet the greatest kicker of all time. You can go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com right now in order to get them. We're going to be raising money for the Brigantz Brigade, which is a wonderful thing. Live music all day. Um, Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth, as well as uh, there's going to be the Cornhole Tournament, food trucks, a dunk tank. And again, this man's going to be in that dunk tank. He's Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan, and you can knock him into the water to raise some money for the Brigantz Brigade. Find out more at grade8smemorabilia.com. Tuckerfest coming up June 27th, uh, so only in a few weeks, three weeks, out of Jerry's Toyota. Jeremy Kahn, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, man. Now, hear me out. I heard the ad for the jobbing out. Yes. What if we did a show that, we called flopping out, and we talked soccer, basketball, and skateboard. <laughs> is, that, is that okay or no? <laughs> Not bad, dude. Not bad. Not bad. Is that one that you've used before? Or did you just think of that in that no, moment? No, we're just listening. All right, all that's even it. better. Well done, sir. Well done. Not I was thinking about all. all the different. Thanks for letting me on your show. Yeah, yeah there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Yeah, yeah that's no awesome. promo. All right, anyway, so I, all right, I got I I I I just lost my mind. I, it's not specifically the Julio Jones conversation led into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's not the end of the world that the Ravens didn't get Julio Jones, right? Like, and I, no. I, I think some of the arguments that people are making are 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 flawed. Like the, the people that are trying to defend, hey, the, you know, you can't do this because he's thirty-two. Why, we're pretending like thirty-two is suddenly dead. You know what I mean? As if yeah. the Ravens didn't get the Steve Smith when he's thirty-five. We're pretending like one year of fifteen million dollars is a bad contract when the next two years are extraordinarily favorable on the deal, and there is a roadmap for getting under the cap. I, those parts on the read, but I get it. Like, you know, you, you still have to compete, the whole thing. My point is, and, and one of your colleagues over there, Jason Lockenfor, wrote recently about how the NFL is clearly de-emphasizing the wide receiver position, and we're dealing with a year ago um, DeAndre Hopkins going for essentially a second-round pick and, you know, Stephon Diggs being available for anybody to have and – you know, a, a minimal price for him in the prime of his career that was paid by the Buffalo Bills. It's it's very clear, you know, that Julio Jones is Julio Jones, and yet the best you can do is a second-round pick and change. The NFL is attempting to de-emphasize wide receiver, and that is bat-s insane to me because the evidence is that the teams that went out and got the wide receivers last year, clearly Diggs in particular, but the Cardinals were still better with DeAndre Hopkins. They just had too many other flaws in their roster were that much better for it. I mean, Stephon Diggs utterly changed the history of a franchise by his arrival a year ago for an extremely fair price. I am, I'm befuddled by the NFL trying to de-emphasize such an important position on the field. When all, Why did Tom Brady want to be in Tampa? Because they had really good wide receivers. I, I don't get this. I don't understand what's going on here, and I feel like I'm living in a crazy town. Yeah, for the life of me, like it doesn't... I cannot remember what made us wise and what made us think that we were wise and never compromise. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I mean, we de-emphasize running backs now. Now it's going to be wide receivers. I don't, I don't get that at all in a in a pass happy league. But uh, but I was kind of indifferent. Like if they traded for Julio Jones, I think there's a lot of great things that could happen. But ultimately, you're going to have to look down the line and realize that you're probably. I mean, it's a domino effect. You're probably going to lose another piece that you like. Like maybe it means not re-signing Mark Andrews. Maybe that means letting. 
Hollywood walk. And one of the things that I talked about is like, I think that's an, um, a viable possibility that the Ravens, when Hollywood becomes a, you know, a free agent that they can't re-sign him. So, but there, there are all these things that factor in and, and look, that's, that's down the line. And I kept saying it this morning, which people are probably tired of me, uh, hearing me say is that, you know, football more so than any, any of the other sports, it's, it's chess, not checkers. It's, um, you know, it's a matter of, figuring out what you can do down the line to, to make things work. And if you do something now, does that eliminate some of the things you can do? And the Ravens always seem to – look, they love their draft picks. They play it close to the vest. They, um, but I would have loved to have seen Julio here. But ultimately, I, I hate saying this, that, you know, that me being indifferent to it, I didn't mind that they didn't make the move for him either. I'm, I, I think it's a miss, right? Like, I think it was a move worth making and, and, and that the price was – so extraordinarily reasonable that they should have, right? Like, so I think it's mm-hmm. a miss. Now, when I say that, as I said before, I think people uh, people believe there's only one of two things that you can do now because Twitter exists, which is scream that this means the Ravens are the worst organization in the history of football and Eric DaCosta should be fired, or say Eric DaCosta's literally never made a mistake in the history of his life. Uh, and, and that's the problem. So when I say I think it's a miss, I'm not saying that I think this means there's no chance they could win a Super Bowl next year or that ultimately – they might somehow be proven right. Um, it's totally plausible that it just won't be a fit for Julio in Tennessee, and we'll look and we'll say, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the Ravens did the right thing by not paying that price. But today, on paper, everything that we know about the circumstances, I, I can't shake it. I think they should have done this. I think this is a move they should have made. And, and on paper, I think it's a miss. It doesn't mean that I think anything worse than that. I don't... I don't think we should disbar Eric DeCoster from being the right to be a general manager. I just I think it's okay sometimes to say this one appears to be this this looks like a mistake to me that they wouldn't go do something like this. Yeah, but from the articles that were written too, it it sounds like that the Ravens really weren't in on it. Like there was a lot made of it. No doubt. Um, no and, doubt. And believe what you want to believe, like maybe they looked at the contract. You know, you brought up his age, which it's not the end all be all, but ultimately you know, running backs are more concerning when they hit 30 than receivers. The only thing with Julio, we've all talked about it, is he's had hamstring problems, it, you know, his entire career. But it hasn't, like, that's, he didn't have hamstring problems where it eliminated him being Correct. the best receiver in football. Correct. I mean, he had hamstring problems, and he was still the best receiver in football, or at least in that conversation. So, um, I mean, i probably lean more towards you. Like, I would have loved to have seen it here. I think it would have been great to talk about, see with Lamar, what he looks like with a weapon like that. Yep. Um, and I don't, you know, with the running game here, it's the same thing we're going to talk about in Tennessee, although Tennessee has no defense. Um, you know, with that running game that they have, Derrick Henry averages 125 yards a game. He averages 125 yards a game. So now you have to figure out outside on significant passing downs where you know, like, it's third and extremely long. They have to throw it. Uh, some of the intermediate where maybe they could run it and go for it on fourth down if they didn't get it, things like that, that you can double Julio or shadow him, uh, you know, box him in a little bit if you can. That you have A.J. Brown. Yep. So there's a ton of mismatch. They're going to be fun to watch. And if you looked at Dove Kleiman's uh, tweet where he was talking about the, the similarities between, and I know it sounds crazy, but over the past two years between Pat Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill, um, Tannehill's numbers outside of yardage where Mahomes has 900 more yards in him, but Tannehill, Tannehill has more touchdowns, um, you know, what was it, a higher percentage. Um, and, and across the board, I think they had the same amount of interceptions. Like his numbers are eerily similar to what Pat Mahomes has done the past two years. So adding another weapon like that, it's just they're dangerous. So uh, deal with it. All right. 
All right. I mean, I I, I agree. They're going to be fascinating. They're really going to be a fascinating team to watch. And it would have been so much fun to talk it about. It really would have. It would have. It would have yeah. created an energy that I, I I don't know what the last time we could compare. I don't know when the last season would have started that would have had that much energy. I mean, the first. You can say that there that existed in the the year. No, no, I don't. I, I, the energy that would have existed in the run up to the start of this season would have been almost incomparable to anything that we had seen if the Ravens had made I agree. that move. Yeah. All right. I mean, think about how excited people were when they got Antoine Bolden, and it worked out great. Like I, I remember talking about it over and over again. Antoine Bolden, I can't believe they got Antoine. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, but and that was a player that I mean, both these guys on the back end of their career, but like. Bolden wasn't putting up the type of numbers that Julio puts up, and he's not. They're two totally different receivers, too. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're both really good. Well, and, and Joe Flacco, no, you know, all due respect, is not Lamar Jackson. Uh-huh. I mean, he's just no. not right. Like, in a, not, no, and Joe Flacco was a quality quarterback and did what he was asked to do. But there would have been a wild excitement about what this team would have been if Julio had been on the roster. But it's what it is, and uh, they'll go try to win with the guys they have. I, uh, what would Buck Showalter say about the Ravens? I like them. That's I what, like I, our guys. That's what yeah. I thought he would say. All right, Jeremy Kahn. <laughs> Jeremy Kahn with us. Um, a couple things. One, we did this bit a couple weeks ago, and I, I, I put it away for a little while, but after the weekend that he had, when I do this conversation, I say, how do we talk to our kids about – how do we talk to our kids about Cedric Mullins? Like, how do we, how do we really take a full picture look at this being so unexpected? Where exactly, like, do do we just assume this is who he is now? Is is Cedric Mullins just Adam Jones and and slightly better? Like, I, what, how do how, how do we handle this this thing that we're looking at and that we're watching and how he fits into the rebuild and the decisions the Orioles have to make? How do we handle all of it? I mean, he's 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 really good and so unexpected. And how likable is he too? I mean, I, I know that's not ultimately the guy could be. I mean, if he was Albert Bell and he was a jackass, it would still yeah, love it'd be him nice that he was guard. playing well. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Um, but you know, we everybody was talking about the nine hits in a row, uh, three of them being home runs, which was incredible. And then he's out there doing what we fully expect him to do, making diving catches and just making the team, you know, better. So um, he's. I, look, I, I don't know how you explain what's going on and how this actually happened, but it's incredible to watch. There's, there's no doubt about that. Like he's been so freaking good. Um, and and on top of it, like you're, you're talking, like I hate when people get into this whole thing. Like, oh, when are we trading him? Like, when, what are you getting for him? That, with some of these younger guys, that's not happening. You know, they're they're going to realize what type of talent they have, evaluate it, and then ultimately make their decision on what they should or shouldn't do with some of these players. But you know, guys are going to get traded, but not guys like this. I mean, this is somebody that you hold on to, and you hope that he turns into something special. And we're already seeing the beginnings of it. I don't know if this continues, to, you know, per se, but I look, I love watching him play. And it doesn't matter, again, if he's at the plate or if it's, uh, if it's a situation where he's out in the outfield. Because, like, even the routine catches he makes, you, you got to watch the jump he gets on the ball. He just reads it so well. I mean, I, I'm I'm probably inclined to agree with you about Mullins specifically, and as far as a trade, if only because I don't know how other teams right now could be looking at this and saying, "Man, this is definitely a guy we have to go give everything in our system in order to go acquire." Right? Like, the, I think mm-hmm. everybody else has to be as confused as we are about what we're seeing from Cedric Mullins. And so, short of that, why would you trade him? Right? Like, why why would you why would you trade him? But there's the risk of, is this some sort of just wild? 
two-month stretch that a guy is going to have. We're going to look back in five years and say, geez, remember when for two months he was like maybe the best player in baseball? It's, it's, it's such a weird feel that I have about this where I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about Cedric Mullins. And I agree with you. It's awesome. He's such a likable guy. You're very happy for him. But for me to make a bold plot proclamation beyond that, like, do I know that Cedric Mullins is going to be one of the top outfielders in baseball in 2022? No, I have no Not clue. Not at all, no. I have no clue. No, but, like, with the fact that you have him under control, I think, you know, for, for however many years it's going to be that uh, – uh, Three more years. He's, yeah, he's yeah, three, so three more I years. I didn't have it in front of me, so yeah. I knew it was a couple more years, and then, and then obviously – Oh, you know what? It, it's, it's actually four more years. He's not, a free yeah, they, he's not a free agent until 2026 when he'll be 31. Yeah, I believe he's accumulated about a year of yeah, service time yeah. so far, so not a yeah. lot, not yeah. a lot. It's crazy, man. Hey, Kyle sounds even sexier. I know, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a little bit, little bit different. A <laughs> little bit different look. All right, um, so I want to talk to you about something that I've been doing the last couple of days, and I haven't admitted this to another human yet. So oh, I'm going like to do this with you because it's going to get into betting, and we'll do a whole thing. Um, we lost we lost a couple hundred bucks the last few weeks, you yeah. and I. It's okay. It's okay. You, yeah. don't, you don't have to take the losses. I'll take them. And, and I, it, I know that's the cost of doing business. We, you would, this but by is, the way, if I'm telling you to bet them, be sure that I've been losing my money too. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's the, the, Blazers, sure. the Blazers thing did not go well for you. It, was, yeah. it, was, it ended up being a big miss. Had the right idea. Right. Wrong team. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, by the way, I'm feeling pretty good as a Suns fan at the moment. Like, yeah, you should. I, I'm, I'm worried about Jokic because he's just that good and – you know, like, who who has an answer for him? And the Suns struggle with Anthony Davis when he was healthy. But, like, I'm just, I'm just feeling good anyway. Um, yeah. So I needed to get some of that money back. I said, I know what I can do. And I, I want to talk about it because it. I'm going to ask you why not to do something like this. So I'm just going to tell mm-hmm. you that I have won back all of the money that I lost when we made $200 worth of bets last week and a little bit more. In a very embarrassing way, in a way that I know you're going to roll your eyes as a better. Because, Are you betting on tennis? Yeah. Well, no, it's not just that I'm betting on tennis. It's it's lower rent than that. I'm betting money line bets on the top the top men's players at astronomical odds. I'm Ooh. I'm taking five hundred dollar risks to make fifty bucks. Yeah, I. But the reason I'm doing it is because I know so much about tennis to know. This group of guys, and this, by the way, I'm I'm 13 and 0 on these. The the Zverevs, the Tsitsipasses, the the Nadals were not losing to the donkeys that they were facing. For what it's worth, I did not bet Nadal today against Yannick Sinner because I know enough about Yannick Sinner to say that's a threat. It's I, Nadal's going to win the match, but it's enough of a threat that it's not worth putting an ex- extraordinary amount of money uh-huh. down for such a small payout, right? Like, there's just enough of a threat there. The only thing that's really a threat when I do this is, does the guy get hurt during the course of the match? If he doesn't, yeah. if these guys don't get hurt, they're all winning the matches. And it's easy money. And I've made this comment before about early season college football. Is, I understand why you don't do it, but they really are offering you free money. They really are. And every now and then, there's going to be an Appalachian State, Michigan. But if you're betting 50 of them, you can cover the one that doesn't go your way. Why so, don't you take your free money? Okay, so so here's the problem with it. And, and again, you're on the right side of it. You, you probably have a little bit more of an edge than most because of your love of tennis and how much you follow it. Right. So, like, I, lo- I love hearing that you, you looked at a, game, or a matchup today and said, Nope, not It's a little it. too risky, although I believe this happened. 
that the the risk isn't worth it for me to make this I, I, wager. For what it's worth, I didn't do it with Djokovic either. I'm going to end up regretting it because after he dropped the first two sets, he he rolled. But the Italians have been playing so well that I just said I'm not I'm not betting I'm not doing this because it's such a minimal gain, right? Like it's yeah. such a risk for such a minimal gain. If I think there's any risk at all, I'm not doing it. So on on average, the the problem the reason that this doesn't work out math wise is that on average you're going to have to win more like ten or twelve. Yep. Depending on how what your odds are. 10 or 12 of those for one loss. To cover one loss, so you, exactly. Yeah, you almost have to be perfect to make money. Now, I would be the one telling you, hey, you did great. Get out now. Right. But again, oh, by the way, and for this is now the part of the tournament where I have to get out. I have one yeah, more riding. I've got I've got uh, Iga Sviantek later today. That's the last one that I have riding on what I did. But after that, that's the end for this tournament because now – like you're in the quarterfinals, these players are too good. You can't. There's there's too much there that could go wrong for me to bet any more of them. Yeah, and I get that too. It's the same like college football. Like tennis to me is a lot different because once you get an edge, unless you get a guy like unless you get a tennis player that has some sort of fatigue, uh, as you mentioned, an injury, and those are the things that can really cost you. I've lost games because of that, which yep. just sucks. Like um, you know, if you bet on the Orioles Saturday and John Means comes out in the first, albeit he gave up two homers and he wasn't looking great. Um, you know, then that sucks because, in essence, in baseball, you're betting on the starting pitcher to a degree. Um, they're the ones that move the lines more so than anything. Uh, the the other part of this is like when you're when you're talking about tennis, I do feel like, like I said, you have a decided edge, but it's a calculated risk that can clearly blow up in your face. And again, it's anywhere between ten and fifteen losses, depending on how much you're betting, or ten and fifteen wins to equate or equal to one loss. Or maybe it's more than that, depending on uh, if you get a I, huge I upset. Think, I, upsets I, I, I think I did the math. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if it was somebody, if it had been Nori the other day against Nadal, that it would have screwed up my math. But essentially it became um, roughly 10 wins was equal to one loss. Okay. Um, was was the math that I was doing on on how I was playing this, right? And I, and I do feel the same way to an extent about those first couple of weekends of college football where you have, you know, 50 top teams playing legitimately F F. B- or FCS teams those weekends. And and you're going to avoid North Dakota State, obviously. You're not going to do this for a team that North Dakota State's playing. But otherwise, mm-hmm. if you've got 40 of those games, 36 of them are going to be won, at, at least 36 of them, are going to be won by the top teams. So, like, when you... All right, so give me a... What are the odds on just a random match that you have. Right, like, here, that I've, got, I've, got, like, I've got Shviantek later today. I've got her at okay. minus 799. Okay. And I've got, I, for example, I put 200 on that. I don't remember what it is. It's 200 to win 25 bucks. Okay. Which is, again, it's insane. It's insane that you were bet that. But Shviantek has been so much better than any other female player. She's playing Marta Kostyuk, who's a nothing, a nothing that just happens to have gotten to this point of the tournament. There is, and, and by the way, this is the riskiest one for me because it's women's tennis and there's, you don't have the five-set thing that holds over. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this, this Italian dude today won two sets against Novak Djokovic. It was the most stunning thing that ever happened. And then he con- proceeded to get boat raced for the next three sets. Yeah. Um, like, it, the five-set thing is such a difference maker. So I admit there's more risk betting on a women's match because of the nature of it being three sets than there is doing this with men's tennis. So I feel more nervous about this one than I did about the overwhelming majority of the ones that I did over the course of the weekend. It, I, I, I know why you don't do it. I do. But I feel like in certain instances you can do the math and it, you can make it work for you not to profit 
but to just have a comfortable amount of, I'm not really going to lose money here, and I might make a few bucks. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I get it. So I was, like, thinking of, um, so, what, minus 800 roughly would be, I'm guessing around, like, a 12-point favorite or maybe a 14-point favorite. I would favorite. think it'd be, like, like, a yeah, I think it would be about that. Because, like, when, when Appalachian State knocked off Michigan, right? I want to say they were, like, a 30-some point underdog. Yep. You know, like, when um, stuff like that happened. So you can find money. A lot of times they won't put money lines on games like that, yep. uh, depending on where you go, some yep. online. Like, a lot, of, a lot of casinos that you're going into will try to have odds for it, but sometimes you really got to search to find those oddities. But, again, you're just you're putting a ton of money down. We see it all the time in the Super Bowl when you have a heavy favorite that everybody expects to win or a playoff game like – the Chiefs are favored. Uh, who is it? Mattress Max with the uh, oh yeah, with Houston. Like yeah, he was just yeah. laying like large sums of money on the money line, where he's risking a million dollars to win like a hundred grand or something. You know, like and that's all fine and dandy. But if you have a million dollars, I don't know that you need a hundred grand. But okay, right, But 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 somebody would say it's a free. It's a essentially a free hundred grand is what they're thinking. Why not take your hundred grand? Like why not? Well, that's like. Well, that's what you think until it happens. And, and you then don't. you lose it. Exactly right. Yeah. And then you lost a million dollars. in the. I, com- I know what you're saying. I promise you I know what you're saying. Well, and, and that's what I was telling, uh, like, you know, with, with Major League Baseball. The way, and, and people argue with me about this all the time. The way to win in baseball, hockey, boxing, MMA is finding the right underdogs and betting on them. And because, like, for example, if you get a plus, let's take baseball. You get a, the Yankees are playing the Orioles and the Yankees are minus 300. So for, for every single, you know, and then the Orioles in that situation would probably be like plus 260, but we don't need to do all the crazy math for that. But you need to win one of those to offset the, the three losses. You know what I mean? If you're betting the underdog, yep. if you're yep. betting the underdog, you can lose two of them. And then as soon as you win another one, you've already won your money back and then some. Yep. So it's, and, and you know, the Orioles are going to beat the Yankees or whatever. The Tigers will beat the, the Yankees, Wh- whoever it may be. Maybe the Yankees are a bad example this year, but um, it doesn't matter. You could have... Like, for example, who was it? Um, I want to say Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns. Like, Corbin Burns yesterday was phenomenal, and then the Brewers hadn't scored any runs for him. They had, like, 13 Ks. I believe Milwaukee ended up winning the game. They were also, like, a huge favorite playing Arizona, uh, and they should have been. But, like, you know, that's it's a game where if you get to the bullpen, now all bets are off. Like, you don't know if some guy, some right, random dude right. you've never you, heard of yeah, comes you in. Ju- you just bet on a pitcher. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so. All right, quickly with that in mind, um, I got. I want to do. I do want to make a bet with you tonight, but I'm not. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm. You know, I, I saw what you said about the Suns game. I'm not betting anything related to the Suns game because I don't want to mess with my happy. Right? Like I don't want to mess with my ability to sit down and just enjoy the game and root for the outcome yeah. with my favorite team. So how can I bet uh, 200 bucks tonight on some of the other things that you like? So tonight sucks. Uh, I'm just being honest. All like, right. We have three baseball games. We have two hockey uh, or three hockey matchups. There's only two that I like. Um, because like Montreal has a chance to close out Winnipeg and they're a minus 125 favorite, which is so incredibly low for a team that you just expect going to roll over and die like Winnipeg. And it just leads me to believe that Winnipeg is going to win tonight. So I'm staying away from the game or that matchup. Um, in major league baseball, the only thing that I, I kind of like, like I picked two games today in what I, I sent over. Um, one of which was the Kansas city under they're playing the angels. It's nine. But again, it's just uh, that's just me fading the public. There's no real feel for it. Anything. Uh. The two the two things that I love, like here's what I would say. I would say place a straight wager on the Bucks um, with the two hundred. They're plus one and a half. If you want to bet them on the money line, feel free. But it's a point and a half, so it's not much extra. I would feel more comfortable having that point just in case there's something goofy and it ends up being a close game. But I like the Bucks to win, and I think the Bucks are going to win the series. Even really, down really. Yeah. 
Yep. Oh, man. Because oh. now what happens is um, now Kyrie's got to go back to being the facilitator. Or you're bringing in a, a, um, a Mike James off the bench right. to be a starter and be your point guard. Because remember, Harden had taken over the role of being facilitator and he was scoring. It's not like Kyrie can't do that, but now you're asking a lot of them, and Drew Holiday is going to be on them by assumption for a good portion of the game. It frees Chris Middleton up to guard Joe Harris or somebody else if they want to run them off screens all day long. And then, of course, Giannis and KD. And, it's, and look, this isn't a perfect science on my matchups. They have pick and rolls. They have all types of things to get guys open. But it will be frustrating. So I, I just feel like there's a huge edge with Harden being out. And with his hamstring, there's no telling if he comes back or when he comes back, for that matter. All right. All right. I'll throw something at that. I'll throw something at it. You don't it. have to throw the full amount. But really, yeah. like I, I'm not a guy. I know we do this every Monday. I just don't like this late. I get it. I get it. it's better to, to not Yeah, you're not, you're not selling me much on it. You're not selling me much on it yeah. at all. All right. Oh, oh, hey, by the way, and I, I can't believe we did this whole thing and didn't talk about another uh, really exciting night uh, for your favorite sport last night. So, I, you know, congratulations on another thrilling, amazing night in your favorite sport. I know it had to be really it's the worst thing ever. So I, bad. I, I, so bad. Ed and I talked about it this morning. I yeah. did not watch a single second of it. Oh, good for you. I have and the I ability have. to watch it for free. Yep. And I refused to watch it. No I doubt. knew exactly what was going to happen. No doubt. That this was going to be like. If you, if you, like the highlights that I've seen and some of the stuff I, I've watched, every time Floyd had a chance to punch him, uh, Paul hugged him and just held on to him. The one, the one that everybody keeps sharing that where uh, Logan goes nuts and he's just swinging his fist wildly, it looked like a bar fight in, in, in White Marsh or whatever. Like, oh, guy just swinging wildly at nothing. And Floyd's just sitting there like, okay, you punched my arm, you punched my back, you missed with that. I mean, and Floyd Floyd even said it afterwards. Like, he's the greatest bank robber of all time. No he's doubt. stealing money from no everyone. No doubt. So. No doubt. All right. Uh, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. His picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, anything you want to plug coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show? I uh, Just F Floyd Mayweather and, all right. and the Paul brothers. I, I'm on board with all of that. I, I echo yeah. that statement. Jeremy, love They're worse than the Kardashians. I hate them all. No doubt. We'll talk to you next week. All right, man. I'll see you. See you, pal. Jeremy Kahn. Checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Today's show is also brought to you by uh, the Stan the Fan Variety Hour, which returns tonight. Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, talking baseball. Jack Voigt, former Oriole, is going to join them as well. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. You'll be able to see it tomorrow at PressBoxOnline.com as well. All of Stan's show is brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. We'll come back in. We'll talk to Greg Rosenthal about the French Open and, I guess, about Julio Jones as well. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Hey, this is Chris Rowan from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teef. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bella Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. They're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. 
Book your table at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit, and after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, back in here on GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of PressBox. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. You know, our next guest from his wildly popular podcast which is called Only Slams, and it's about 10... Uh, I guess he's on some other show, too. Uh, around, or, or, whatever, who cares about that one? He's our friend Greg Rosenthal, and he joins us now here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? What's up, Glenn? I mean, if you're going to promote our new um, yeah. podcast, Only Slams, you know, do, do it up. We're taping <laughs> later today. That's true. We will have an episode up later today. Um, we're, we're trying to do five during the course of uh, each slam, and uh, there's been a lot going on. There's a lot to cover. No Roger Federer. That's not all that surprising. We'll talk about that more. Um, I think you and I are both equally bummed about Serena Williams. Not 
not because like we expected her to make a deep run at the French because it's not her slam, but just because the thing that it, this was the opposite of what happened at the Australian. Everything broke for her, and she just didn't. She just didn't have it in her. She just didn't have a run in her yesterday, and and looked a mess, and that was really disappointing for me. Yeah, she went down meekly, which is you know rare to see. I think she probably had a mindset going into this tournament that she's not going to win it, which you know just very rare for Serena and that like Federer, she's just trying to get in matches and build up for the grass season, which is her best chance to win a major. And I think she did that. She played pretty well for a few matches, but I think what you're seeing with Federer and a lot of these, uh, whether it's like the super young guys, like Musetti, who was just going against Djokovic or the super old players like Serena or Roger, it's like tough to get through two weeks. Like you can play two or three straight good matches, but can you play and hold up for, for two straight weeks? Yep. Yep, it's tough, and it's tough to ask somebody. Even they, they, we're talking about a nearly forty-year-old. <laughs> like it's just a tough. I think to you know, Tom, get it. Tom Brady has changed how we think about some things, but it's still a lot to ask. It's still an awful lot to ask. That's a bummer. We'll talk more about that. Were you nervous at all? Or and I guess you don't. You're not really a Djokovic guy, but we're, when when it was when it was two sets, <laughs> were you were you convinced that 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 was about to go a certain way, or did you still stay to yourself? This is Novak Djokovic in a five-set match. I, I don't I don't believe that this is over in any way. I Well, I'm on the West Coast here. So when I woke up, he was already down two sets, but up a break in the third. Oh, okay. Just, so, uh, immediately, oh. I was just like, okay, well, this will go five. We'll <clears> see <throat> how Musetti's looking going into the fifth set. And uh, it just, his body, uh, Musetti, the, the youngster, didn't hold up. So whereas, like, the women, it's, the most wide open other than Sviantec field I've ever seen. Yep. I mean, that's why it was so heartbreaking for Serena. It was her side of the draw is almost entirely first time quarterfinalist. Uh, the men, it's just like steamrolling to this Djokovic uh, Nadal semifinal, most likely. And, and the winner of that will be the heavy favorite in the final. And, and the winner of that will probably be Rafael Nadal. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. Well, I'm telling you, we're going to be spending a lot of time on today's episode discussing Paula Bardosa, who I believe is an absolute effing superstar and is going to be my, is, is an absolute obsession of mine. Like, I am obsessed now Ooh. with Bardosa. After watching her last two matches, I am. Does it have an R in the, in the last name? I think it's just Bardosa. Is it Bardosa? Did know? I say Bardosa? Is that really what I said with Bardosa? Yeah, it's, you're, you're of course, right about that. It's definitely, it's God, my God. But I'm going to talk a lot what, what, about What it. made you fall in love with her? Um, the Bogdan match last week was just, remember what, I, we, what you talked about, the emotions that you fall in love with the theater of tennis? I, I cared zero about a Bedosa-Bogdan match. Like, I, I couldn't believe it was the only match going on that it got all of the tennis uh, channel, like, coverage for two hours. And then I sat there staring at the TV and getting no work done at all on Friday <laughs> because it was such unbelievably compelling theater. And she, like, we talk about with Madison Keys, she's got a look. Like, she's just got a look where you say, oh, this is a person that could be doing commercials. This is a person that could be doing move. Like, she just has this sort of look. Um, her game is imperfect, but she's capable of finding it for really long stretches. And I just couldn't take my eyes off of this match. And then I had to watch her again yesterday because of it. So I'm, I'm obsessed. This is my life now as Pala Bardosa. Bar I did it again. Pala Bardosa. Bardosa. Jesus. My obsession that I can't I can't tell you what her name is. Well, and she's going she could be going straight to the finals because like I said, that that side yeah. of draw is crazy. I just saw a stat that with Sakari who's on the other side, uh, or Sakari making the 
quarters. It's the most ever first time quarterfinalist in yep. in in uh, open era history. But, so you have the defending champion Sviantek. You have Pavlyuchenkova on the other side, Pav. Uh, you know, uh, who I think has a decent chance of the finals, and then your girl Bedosa. So it's it's going to be a tough sell for NBC. But you know what? Like I, I'm so sick of people talking about like, well, the executives at TNT must be disappointed that the like Lakers they're, lost. They're, like they're you're not the an sport. Executive. Correct. Correct. Well, that's not why we watch. We, right. And, and part of the fun in tennis sometimes are these these cracked open draws, and we definitely have uh, as big a story as Americans uh, want it to be in Coco Golf making her. Big quarterfinal. So to me, that's that's all the that's all the popcorn we need. Is, yep. is Coco Goff going far in this tournament? No friggin' doubt. No friggin' doubt. All right, we'll talk more about it on Only Slams. Uh, they tell me that we have to talk football, or I'm going to get shot. Uh, <laughs> I try. This is why Greg and I are doing this show. This is the reason why Greg yeah. and I started Only Slams is because. We would rather be talking about tennis. That's just the nature of the beast. I love football too. I mean, it's not really football season, but I still love talking about it. You, you seem mixed on it. You know, um, I, I, I still got that. Love. It's it's a struggle for me, right? Like I I know it's what pays the bills. I'm I I yeah. It's let's save it for another day. Let's save it for another day. I mean, what, what you want to talk about the Orioles? Come no, on, no, I mean, no. I assure you. Right. I assure, and trust me, we've done more of the show. Today's show, we've done more about the Julio thing. Not because I'm apoplectic about the Ravens not being the team that got Julio Jones. I get it. There's, there's a bunch, you know, that's how these things work. Most players don't end up going to one particular team. Like, that's the way these things are. But I really did, Greg, think that this was a unique, if there was a time to make a bold move, this seemed to be a really good fit and a really good time to do it. And there was a roadmap that they could, and the price was not overwhelmingly significant. And so, on paper, I think it's a miss for them that they didn't end up coming away with Julio Jones. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I agree with that sentiment um, for all these teams that had um, room. You know, the Patriots reportedly just were not interested in paying that salary, and I, I think that was what it was for a lot of teams. But th- that surprises me because I, I think when you watch Julio Jones's tape last year, he was still a top five receiver. It's gotten a little twisted that, hey, here's this guy towards the end of his career. It's like, this is not A.J. Green. This is um, a dominant player every time he's ever stepped on the field. And I know he's had these nagging injuries, but last year was really the, the first time he ever missed games. And unless there's uh, some information that right. he's you know, right. more likely to, to miss it down the line. I think it was a great risk. I think people overvalue these late first-round picks. Half the time you miss on them anyways. And Julio Jones is going to make you better for the next two years. And it's a two-year league, right? <laughs> the NFL, is, you want to think long-term, but like the next two years is, is are, more important than the long-term. For, for coaches and general managers, how many of them are confident they're definitely going to be here no matter what in two years? Like, I mean, seriously. Right, and... And the thing with the first round picks, Mike Sando of the Athletic did a great study of that 40% of uh, first round picks taken like mid round on are get the fifth year option. So that basically is saying 60% of picks mid round on, which is what this pick would be, um, you know, are, are failing, uh, <laughs> you know, are, are a total bust. And instead you can get a guy in Julio uh, that maybe is going to want more money. And that's, 
that's maybe part of the reason teams were afraid to trade for him. But man, Tennessee needed him worse than anyone else. So it doesn't surprise me that sure. they were the team sure. that, that got him because they really needed him. But they didn't have to give up that much. They nope. really didn't. Nope. It was a very affordable price. Um, by the way, to, to speak to your point about Julio Jones, uh, uh, 68 targets last year, which I get, you know, it's because he only played half the season, that number's down 11.3 yards per target. 11.3 yards per target, third in the NFL. Top five. You know who else was top five last year in that stat? Mm, tell me. A.J. Brown, his oh. new teammate. Hmm. So now you gotta you got to deal with those two big dudes Boy. at the same time. Boy. So the other thing that's interesting to me, Greg, and, it, and I, I, I referenced an interaction that you had with our friend uh, Daniel Jeremiah on Twitter yesterday, and I, 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 I wanted to dive into it, but I don't want to do that to you two guys. You, 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 no, you, I want to. You deserve – well, you, I, you deserve better than to deal with my nonsense on Twitter and the people that have come after Oh, it. oh okay. Right. But, no, you and I can talk about it because – your tweet I enjoyed, which was NFL team, and you were kind of alluding to this a second ago, NFL teams on draft day, a first-rounder and two-thirds for Elijah Vera Tucker seems fair. NFL teams in May, eh, a first is a bit rich for one of the greatest receivers ever. I, I get the – I understand the, the humor in what you're saying. Our friend Daniel right. Jeremiah, of course, a former Ravens scout, love Daniel, great guy, responds, responds, <laughs> responds back <laughs> – by saying cost, age, and position. And, and we can talk about the layers. Like I, As I already said, I don't think the cost was too much. At this year, it's $15 million bucks, which is not – uh, by the way, the, the guys, the, the 10 guys that will be making more money uh, than him as wide receivers this season all had less yards per target than he did a year ago. So mm-hmm. I, the cost doesn't do a lot for me, but I do get that $15 million is a lot of money for most teams that have already set their cap, right? Like, I can accept that part of it. The next two years, extraordinarily favorable contract because either he's going to be really good and you're going to feel great about paying the guy $11 bucks, or he's not going to be and you have such wiggle room with there only being $2 million in dead cap space that you can do whatever you want at that point. So the, the, the cost part I struggle with to begin with. The age part, like you just said – this notion that, that elite wide receivers all fall apart at 32 is insane to me. <laughs> like, I have no idea where that's coming from. The, the Ravens acquired Steve Smith at 35. That's when they got him. Wow. They, 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 uh, they, they signed him. He was still pl- playing and helping until he was 38. This notion that 32 is the end of the world is... I have no idea where that's coming from. But then the third one is the one that already made me lose my mind once this morning. In what world have we decided that it's smart for NFL teams to de-emphasize wide receiver? Where in the F has that come from? Our, our friend Jason Lockenfora wrote about it a couple weeks ago and compared this with Julio to the DeAndre Hopkins market a year ago. He... He didn't write about it, and I'm not trying to knock Jason. Jason's a friend. But, like, he didn't write about it nearly critically enough for my liking. He wrote about it more factually, <laughs> like, um, you know, this is, it's, it's pretty clear that there's been this de-emphasizing and didn't even reference Stefan Diggs in the process, who was available for a very favorable price and, you know, utterly changed the fortunes of a franchise, completely changed a franchise upon his arrival. The evidence would say the teams that go get top-notch wide receivers, high-level wide receivers, are drastically better for it. And yet, we're de-emphasizing wide receiver. I'm, I'm befuddled, man. I don't, 
This is the one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. Like what the evidence all says, you need to have really high level wide receivers. That's why Tom Brady wanted to be in Tampa a year ago. I, 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 what are we doing? Like what? Am, am I am I the crazy one? <laughs> no, that's a great rant. I love it. I want to answer your question um, about where this comes from. You know, where does the emphasizing receivers come? It comes from like 1992. That's yeah. where it comes from. And today's NFL, to me, is such a perimeter game. And I think teams are building their rosters that way in some ways. They, they're realizing depth at wide receiver is so important. They're willing to pay $10, $11, 12000000 million to very mediocre cornerbacks on the free agent market, sometimes $15 million to mediocre cornerbacks. Do you want to know why? Because you don't have enough to cover these wide receivers. Right. So when you, when you get a Julio Jones, to me, the – the hidden value is how he moves everyone else down the depth chart. No doubt. You know, I, you know, suddenly Josh Reynolds, who you know is a guy they're they're high on in Tennessee, coming from LA, but just is overmatched as the number two. Suddenly he's number three, and uh, he's going to have better matchups. Suddenly Anthony Ferkser as your tight end, like doesn't feel like as big a problem because you're going to be able to scheme him up against some slow inside linebacker because everyone else is worried about Julio and. Uh, I, I, I totally agree with you, and it, I also was just trying to make a point in that tweet. It wasn't an anti-Jets or Vera Tucker tweet. It was just these picks just fly free and easy on draft day. Right. It's like, right. hey, hey, um, Broncos, I, sure, we'll give up a, a future second or third to move up 10 spots for Javante Williams. So we're essentially giving you know, a running back. Like We're, Correct. we're essentially giving up um, a good second-round pick and another third-round pick you know, just to get uh, a running back, which half the time is not going to work out. And, and that's just, it's just an example. You know, Marcus Davenport goes for two first-round picks, you know, to move up 13 spots a couple. Of, it just happens every time that teams get real free and easy on draft day because they fall in love with some rookie that half the time isn't going to work out. But the second you, you switch over to off-season mode, it's like, no way. Like, we right. won't give up a third-round pick for Randy Moss. That's crazy. Uh, it'll, it'll have to be a fourth. Uh, that that New England. Set. I mean, like, so what, I, I never understand. What is this world, man? And by the way, none of us <laughs> suggest that it was okay to give up a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. We all knew, like, we all shook and said, "What the f is that?" But I we're didn't know it was that bad, though. I mean, we're ta- we're talking true. about the best receivers in football, and and teams are reluctant to have the best receivers in football, as if the really good teams don't all tend to. Like, I get it. The Eagles didn't have one of those guys. You know, when they won the Super Bowl, although, you know, Alshon Jeffrey was healthy at that point and playing really well, and we kind of ignore that. But, it, you know, we can, we can find examples of teams that, that won, that did win without them. But overwhelmingly, it tends to be that if you got a really good quarterback and a really high level wide receiver, you tend to be pretty friggin' good. Um, <laughs> I, I, man, I, I am, I am at such a loss for this thing that we all can look at what the bill, how, the Bills' history changed because of the rival of Stephon Diggs. To take nothing away yep. from Josh Allen, like I, I don't doubt that he also improved on his own during the call. But we saw the Bills before Stephon Diggs, and then we saw the Bills after Stephon Diggs. And that alone, if I was Stephon Diggs, I would walk in and say, "Here's my campaign for MVP of the league based on that." <laughs> and right, and I, I also just think and by the way, Stephon Diggs isn't Julio Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Stephon Diggs was last year, though, was 
Yeah, I mean, you might be fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The spot picks went to a level I did not even think that, that he had. So kudos to the Bills on that one. But I, have to, I think that goes to my, my overarching point, too. Is it, To me, it's, it's not even about just receivers. It's about these veteran trades, which I think yeah. um, is an interesting team-building exercise that the Rams are, are doing as a, a crazy experiment. And you know what? It's working for them. They haven't taken a pick in the first round since 2016. They're not going to take another one until 2024. They'll probably trade that in the meantime. And you know what? Like their team hasn't collapsed. They've they've traded those picks for assets that they know are good. So when you traded for Diggs, you knew he was good. There was zero risk to it. You knew he was going to take up a big part of the cap. But you are you you know it was like one in the hand is worth maybe one and a half in the bush or whatever that right, saying is right. when it comes to this. And <laughs> and for the Rams, it's worked. You know they and and I think one of the reasons it works is you can get out of these trades too. Brandon Cooks. Uh, you know, was acquired by the Patriots and the Rams in a row for first-round picks. He was good. He added to the team, certainly more than a normal first-round pick were, but he wasn't like a superstar. And you know what? They both picked up pretty good returns to get him out, too, because he still had trade value. Like, the Patriots got another first, and it was it was like a win for them. You know, they got him for a year. He helped them. You get a first back. The, the Rams ended up getting, like, a second back, so you got him for a year, and you got a second back. Like, that sort of dealing makes sense. Because to me, that's worth more than, than the 20th pick in the draft maybe playing okay for you. So I have to ask about what Derek Mason said, but he's on this show just a few minutes ago, that, you know, obviously Julio Jones wasn't the guy for the Ravens, but at some point there may be another opportunity for them to get someone on the trade market. Um, because there is still three months before the season starts. So who could be mm. a guy the Ravens could try to pick up before the, before the season heard, starts? By the way, here's the a name that I've heard banning about. Have you heard anything about Chandler Jones? Yeah, Chan- it sounds like he, there is a market for him, at least. I That's, that's fascinating, because I did bring him up uh, on a recent show. He's a little bit at a crossroads. He, he struggled for a month before he got really hurt last year, and they have a lot invested in, in Chandler Jones and, and J.J. Watt. When it comes to receivers, um, I think some teams are keeping an eye on the Cowboys, um, it would seem weird for them to trade Michael Gallup, uh, who's like a young player and does not fit this mold. Right. Uh, but they might actually feel like they have uh, enough on their offense and that there's no way they're going to be able to re-sign him, and he's a really talented young player. So both him and Tim Patrick in Denver kind of fit that mold of like, if their teams actually go hunting for maybe a veteran or a future pick um because they feel like they have enough on offense. Those are two guys I think, you know, some teams are keeping an eye on. I'm going to start obsessing, by the way, over Chandler Jones now. Like, that's just something that somebody, I, a friend of mine just sent to me, like, you know. The, that's if, a Ravens move. That is a right? Ravens move. Isn't it? There's something weird Th- going I mean, they know him there. really well, obviously, because he, he yeah. like, literally used to hang around the building years ago. Um, I got to start, I got to start paying a little more attention there to what the story is on Chandler Jones. I mean, I... He's 31 now, right? Is that about right? He's 31. Yeah, and so what happened was he quietly had probably the worst month of his career before he suffered his, the first huge injury of his sure. career and then missed the rest of the season. And he's due a lot of money. Most of it's um, guaranteed. I thought there was a chance that they would have moved on from him this offseason, but it just didn't make sense financially. So it does kind of make sense to me, considering all the moves that they've made, that they would you know keep an eye out for him. All right. We'll 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 monitor that. More importantly, we're going to be monitoring Yannick Sinner, who has broken back twice against Rafael Nadal in the first set and is now okay. up a break in okay. the first set. So uh, okay. 
we could have an interesting show. I, I still will. I'm still going to bet against it, but boy, what what a story that would be. And you and I were both very high on Yannick Center coming into this thing. You, we both believed. Yeah, it. if he wasn't playing the doll, I think he he could have made like the semis or something. But we'll see. You're no right. Doubt. It's the first set. These, no doubt. These men's matches take too, too no long. No like, doubt. I'll check in in another hour. I now. understand. I fully understand <laughs> that. Uh, at Greg Rosenthal on Twitter, and of course, the around the NFL podcast needs no help from me. Uh, they're doing quite well, but I enjoy it, and I love Greg, so I'm still going to plug it anyway. More importantly, those of you that care even a small amount about tennis, please take a look at uh, Only Slams or a listen. We might have a problem. There are some other Only Slams, not podcasts, but like well, mm. you and I will talk about it. We're, we're, okay, we'll, you know, we'll talk, I, but it's I, on YouTube. It's on it, YouTube. Yep. Subscribe, yep. like it. You know, please, do please do all those things. All right, buddy. Uh, I'll talk to you later on. See you, See you pal. Greg Rosenthal checking in with us here on GCR. I, I don't know enough to know if Chandler Jones is legitimately a a potential trade option. I don't. I don't. I I was sent a message by someone that I can only say is in football after the Julio Jones things ha- happened yesterday, and he said, "No, you're bummed. Wonder if Chandler Jones isn't a fit." I I, th- I think definitely think Chandler Jones is a fit. Oh, he's de- a fit for sure. Now, uh, yeah. it's, there's there's more there's more there's more layers to that. And he and I he and I messaged a couple times back. He's not somebody that was he was I, no I, I can't I, I did not sense that this was a person that was trying to give me information that th- this was more of a I know you've been r- going on about Julio Jones for a while. So, I I think you're probably disappointed with this news. I've been thinking about this other thing, and 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 would you be happy if that ended up being your consolation prize? And when you brought up that thing that Derek Mason said, would I be happy? I don't know. Like I I need to know. I have not spent nearly as much time thinking about Chandler Jones as I had spent. About, I was more comfortable with where Julio Jones was because I had talked to a bunch of people because he really was on the market. There was no debate. The Falcons were trying to trade Julio Jones. I I only brought it back up because in trying to find the story that Jason had written about um, the wide receiver de-emphasizing, right. apparently three days ago, Jason wrote something about Chandler Jones and just said, um, I can't help but wonder why we aren't hearing anything about another veteran player set to make $15 million this season. So he's not even reporting anything as much as he's hypothesizing Speculating, sure. about Chandler Jones. So... It's it's a different it's somebody in football that knows me that threw out Chandler Jones' name and then I I kind of completely dismissed it and just didn't think about it and then it came back up as I was looking for Jason's story this morning and I was like well Jason said something about Chandler Jones is there something there now I haven't heard anything out of Arizona that suggests they're trying to move on from Chandler Jones for any reason but as Greg points out he was hurt last year he's thirty one he's making a lot of money. And even in the four games before he got hurt, he didn't play all that well. Certainly didn't play to Chandler Jones standards, which, as we know, was like 60 sacks over the four previous years. He was was a very impactful player. Insane, uh, insanely impactful player. My question is here is that how much of a difference is there between a guy like Justin Houston, who you don't have to trade for, you can just sign him off the free agent market, and a guy like Chandler Jones, who has been injured a little bit, and Justin Houston's, you know, obviously on the, I would say, maybe getting towards the other side of his career at this point. 
But how much is there a difference between Jones and Houston? I mean, I don't know if it's it's much of one at all. I disagree with that. Okay. I mean, I, I disagree with that only because Justin Houston was never as good as Chandler Jones no, was. Yes, that's, like, that is like true. The, that the, the, if you think you can find something that, that, for whatever reason, it just wasn't there a year ago, what you can find in Chandler Jones is so significantly better than what you could find in Justin Houston at his best. Now, if if last year was a sign of... Chandler Jones will never be that guy again, which is a remarkable thing to think that a guy that went from 19 sacks could just fall off immediately. That seems like a stretch. Okay, okay. I mean, I guess Justin Houston, right. his his floor, his floor and his ceiling are not all that different in Justin Houston. He's been roughly a, a mm-hmm. eight or nine sack guy every year. He's been steady but never spectacular. You know, he's a he's a guy that presumably could help right but if the cardinals don't want to pay chandler jones 15 million bucks and you know don't ask for all that much the ceiling on chandler jones is higher than it would ever have been for justin houston that is a good point i mean if he's not other than, it, other than the one season justin houston did have that one yes monster. He, he had an he incredible had a monster season. season years ago if if but it, we're Chandler so far Jones, from it that I just don't feel like it's worthy of discussion. Sorry. That's a good point. Yeah. If Chandler Jones is healthy, if Chandler Jones is back to what he was, where like you said, he put up sixty sacks or so over a few seasons, then sure, Chandler Jones is going to be an impactful player. And honestly, he he makes sense and looks like a Raven. He Chandler Jones is like Calais Campbell or Yannick Ngakwe, where you saw even before they were Ravens that at some point they played like Ravens, they could be Ravens. Obviously, especially Ngak- Ngakwe, Ngakwe didn't work out college, at all, right? Especially when, yeah. since he went to College Park. No, but and, I'm just it. it it was it was a miserable failure. It was, it was, it was, it um, was. Um, but it's an it's an interesting. I'm I'm not trying to add too much to it because I don't know anything. I'm just it's it was interesting to me that somebody in football sent me a message about him, and then yesterday, or apparently Jason wrote about him recently. I just didn't know about it. That's all. I'm you, to you'd say. have to assume that the Ravens are not done adding to the pass rush. You draft uh, Dafe away, but you have vets but, there, but but we thought that was going to be the case, and they're watching guys fall off the market, and they're yeah. sort of being indifferent towards it, right? They, has Melvin Ingram going? I don't. No, believe he, he never has. signed. He visited Miami, but he never signed, okay. so he's yeah. still out there. But like they watch Kerrigan go off the market. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not trying to over. But I, to me, all of these guys were in the same. Like, none of them were guys that stood out to me in any way that I said, this has to be my guy. Is Houston... I, I do prefer Houston to to Kerrigan and Melvin Ingram. I, I do. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. But it's not by much for me. I just don't... Fair none enough. of them. None of them really stood out for me in any particular way. They all kind of seem like... Lo- I, Ingram, maybe I can make a bigger argument that it might be a position problem. So Ingram was a lesser fit to me than the other two were. Um, so Ingram would have been third on the list of those guys for me, but but eh, it's just tough. Uh, quickly, um, two things. One, uh, Gus Edwards has agreed to a deal to keep him around for another two years. Yes. Uh, two-year, $10 million extension. It gets him. So I guess they're going to keep him on the same number that he was going to play for this year because Adam Schefter says that deal will go through 2023. So they're not ripping up this year. They're just adding two more years mm-hmm. to the deal for another $10 bucks. Um, considering they didn't do anything else at running back, uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Not I shock. think most of us are assuming that J.K. Dobbins is going to more, move into a more primary role, but I would not be surprised if that's still more of a time split than fantasy football players would like it to be. I think that's fine, depending on situation. Well, Obviously, I, you're going to run I think Gus on third I, and one. Well, I think it's fine based on the fact that all Gus Edwards has ever done in his life is run the ball yes. forward. Um, if you want to say he's not the home run hitter that we think J.K. Dobbins can be. That is true. I get that. That is true. But 
when you're in an offense that's about you know ball control and and extending clock, I don't know that having a home run hitter on the field is the most important thing to you versus knowing that the guy that you're going to hand the ball to is going to go get you five, six yards, um, which is what Gus Edwards has been throughout the entirety of his career, which still I know we finally saw a fumble after we – it's still extraordinarily rare right, that he puts the ball right. on the ground. So I'm all for more Gus Edwards, man. Like what – I, I can't see a... All he's ever done has been really good. Right. I mean, and you even look at a guy like Gus Edwards and you say, well, you know, he's not the pass-catching back that J.K. Dobbins is. Well, no, I didn't see J.K. J. Dobbins, Dobbins make a lot of catches last year. That's did. the weird bit that people have pretended. Yeah, exactly. J.K. Dobbins has never been that guy. He no, wasn't that guy in no. college. And he, he dropped a pass in that playoff game. He's dropped quite a pass, uh, well, few and, passes and his, over the years his blocking now. proved to be, like... At Ohio State. Well, for the people that were screaming that we should have been seeing more J.K. Dobbins, particularly with Mark Ingram being taken out of the mix, Mm-hmm. last year it's the part that nobody wants to talk about the end of the buffalo game or where the buffalo missed game that turned, block yeah that was a critical whiff lamar I, had wide open hollywood streaking down the left side it's of the a, field it's a yeah. touchdown the game's tied instead one play later it's the game's essentially over that's a critical whiff yes and i was not um there was a guy a couple years ago the ravens there were people that would say why do we not see more kenneth dixon I was to understand the <laughs> Kenneth Dixon blocking problem was so bad that they thought he was going to get somebody killed. Like they yes. they couldn't put Kenneth Dixon on the field. Uh, d- despite that, Kenneth Dixon fumbled the ball. A well, lot. and that was a different problem. But that specifically, they didn't want to put him on the field because the blocking was so bad that it like you just you weren't capable of being an NFL player. Right. You, in order to be on an NFL field, you have to be able to do this at a certain level. You don't have to be great, but you have to believe this capable. And they didn't believe he was even capable. Um, that's not the sense in poking around first in film and second in poking. There's a there was a problem. He was not a good blocker, but I didn't get the sense it was a Kenneth Dixon problem either. But those things are significant. I think that that J.K. Dobbins should be capable of being involved as a pass catcher, but he didn't do it. Right. He didn't do it in college either. Exactly. His skill set makes you think that's what he should be, and. I'd like to hope that's something that they've been working on during the course of the offseason. It's going to be uh, something they'll try to push for. But I, I maintain all Gus Edwards has ever done is run forward and rarely fumble the football. Yes. Those are things that for a team specifically that wants to play, to, you know, controlling the ball, controlling the clock. I think we're going to see a lot of Gus Edwards because I think I, we I would agree. see a lot of Gus Edwards. And I think when the Ravens want to pass the ball to the running back, you know, Justice Hill looks like a solid option. Every time yeah, we've we'll seen... See, it, it was alarming how far he stepped back. Like It was really alarming to me that when Mark Ingram was removed from the equation, it was not to add anything of Justice Hill, right? Like, it was... Yeah, more, more to feature J.K. Dobbins and Gus yeah. Edwards more predominantly. Yes, that is true. But I, I wouldn't even mind... You know, I think Rex Burkhead just signed a contract in maybe Carolina. Don't okay. quote me on that. Yeah. He just signed somewhere. But I wouldn't even mind bringing in a guy like that who's a, who's a little pass catcher out of the backfield like Danny Woodhead was a few years ago. Well, so, I think a lot of people are going to ask where we're going to see more of some of the wide receivers in the backfield, especially now that you have a Bateman and a Watkins out there. Does that put Brown in the backfield more? Does it put Duvernay? in the backfield more they saw that we saw them do a little bit of that a year ago and i wouldn't be surprised by seeing some more of that during the course of the season but gus edwards uh two-year ten million dollar extension to keep him around which makes all the sense in the world yes we still have to take another break we do i got going today i'm sorry i'm sorry zach goodman is here he's in for kyle one more day this week um i i i I, i'll never for the life of me i cannot remember why it is that we would de-emphasize wide receivers. It's it's just absolute badass insanity to me. But 
It's what it is. Today's show also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you can find Pressbox. And, of course, read it at PressBoxOnline.com. John Means is on the cover. And there's only about a week left for you to get this issue of Pressbox. Early next week will be the next issue. Um, I'll, I will tell you, this. We went, we went a little off the beaten path. And we decided to give a cover treatment to Maryland quarterback Talia Tungavailoa. Oh. Is our feature That's for pretty awesome, our actually. next. We, we thought it might be a little bit different. And he's pretty exciting. He he's, is exciting. He's pretty exciting. He had I, some up and down games, but he was exciting. Well, the set, you know, we only got to see uh, what, four games. Yeah, that he it wasn't he was, a lot. Like, and, you know, he he struggled in the one, and then mm-hmm. he looked great. And I believe the second game, he Minis- went, he came out on Minnesota fire. Minnesota and Penn State, back to back, he looked tremendous. Yes. And then everybody got COVID, and we never really got to see um, it again. But uh, it was fascinating what we saw in a really small sample size. And he's a fascinating kid. And obviously, his family story is quite fascinating. So we decided that we we're going to go with that as our cover treatment. So Talia Tungavailoa will be our uh, cover athlete for the next issue of Pressbox, which will be, be available next week. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio Pressbox. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip the devil's backbone brewing company free wings or lots of other great prizes enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary the 25th anniversary menu is available through june 20th come in for great food good sports and family fun c3 american exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists c3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true with all of the bad weather Chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host, Zach Goodman, every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash the bat around or at Facebook.com slash Sports. That's the bat around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box sports sports and social maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel they take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100 foot media wall 47 foot big screen 40 hd tvs extensive beer selection big eats in venue gaming bowling and more the perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers they're raising the sports bar at sports and social maryland come see for yourself 
Book your table at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is Glenbarradio.com. Nothing but net. All right. Uh, Window Nation's got an amazing offer for you. Right now, at your neighbor, not your neighborhood, Window Nation, they're everywhere. Right now, Window Nation is offering you 50% off all styles of windows. Plus, put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION. Visit WindowNation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. So this is out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, the Ravens have signed Jawan James, and you say that name sounds familiar for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, he was a, he was a quality tackle, mm-hmm. um, was was getting paid a lot more than that. Um, but what happened was earlier this offseason, Jawan James, away from the facility, ruptured his Achilles and was released by the Broncos, and now there's a whole, you know, thing. Grievance, right. Yeah, that's a whole separate issue. And... Jawan James is now signing with the Ravens for two years and $9 million. Here's how it was reported by Adam Schefter. Former Broncos offensive tackle Jawan James, who ruptured his Achilles in April, is signing a two-year deal worth up to $9 million with the Ravens, sources tell ESPN. James still has to pass his physical with the Ravens, but it will not include his current injury, and no issues are expected. So the, the Achilles won't be the reason why the physical isn't passed, and other than that, everybody believes that he's just fine. Um, I assume that, you know, the Ravens believe that he could play this season. And that's, I don't know enough about the ruptured Achilles. I tried, mm-hmm. this is from Medicine Plus. Um, uh, a, uh, at some point as you recover, your provider will ask you to begin moving your heel. This may be, with the help of physical therapy, m- therapy, most people can return to normal activity in four to six months. Now, normal activity is not necessarily football. But, right, that is but typically athletes are more prepared to be able to do something. Four to six months. So I'm trying to do the math based on when the injury occurred. I believe it was April. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I, would, I had not studied up much. I on do not Jawan remember. I, I, this is right out of nowhere. As Jeff Zareback from The Athletic yeah. has said, I mean, this, if, is, yeah, if, this is completely out of left yeah, field. If, I'm if, not sure if many Jeff, people saw If Jeff Zareback thinks it's coming out of left field, right. it's really coming right. out of Jeff left field. Jeff Zareback is, is very plugged He's in. He's plugged um, in. You know, the Ravens signed, they signed uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who is a fine tackle. I, I, I you know, he's, he's obviously a little bit over the hill, I guess you could say. Um, and that's why he was available for the Ravens to get at the time you so, know, they got so, him. After. So the, the word is that it was a season-ending injury when he okay. got hurt. 
So is it a two-year deal to to replace Villanueva in 2022? Maybe. I guess. I guess that's what it's got to be. That would be the Villanueva was a one-year deal, correct? I could be wrong in saying that, um, but I believe it was a one-year, one or two-year deal. Um, um, there was no belief that he was playing more than one year. That's what I would think. I mean, Villanueva, like I just said, is struggled for the Steelers. He has struggled in the past two years or so, and Steelers fans were not exactly happy with him, and the Steelers ended up releasing him. Um, the Ravens, you know, they looked at they looked at a few guys, um, including Kelly. And and it was a, it was technically a two year twenty fourteen okay. dollar deal, but I think everybody believed that. Yeah, was a one, it was a one year thing. So I mean, I, I don't know how much you, trust you have in Villanueva and his ability to to step in right now and, and take the place of Orlando Brown Jr. But I mean, I I don't have a ton of confidence in that. Maybe they feel Jawan James is just very good depth, but at nine million dollars on a two year deal, that seems a little bit more than depth to me. Um, they could assign him to two years, four million if they felt that he was more of a depth piece. But or, or is there a belief that his season really isn't over? That that could be it too. That, that could be it too. When was the injury suffered exactly? I'm was it? To, I'm trying to figure that okay. out, man. I am, uh, you know, again, I'm sorry. This one's coming way out of nowhere. And after our show was I, supposed to be uh, over today. Yes. Um, I, I know that, you know, when when Villanueva was signed, John Harbaugh or DaCosta, one of the two came out and said he, right out in front, he's our starting right yeah. tackle. So it would seem a little bit strange to me that they would go back on that now at this well, point and in, say, well. Unless for some reason, well, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff there. Are they still nervous about Ronnie Stanley being ready to start the season? And if that's the case, that is a great point. I, it always made more sense to me that Villanueva would be their insurance policy for their left tackle than it would mm -hmm. be that he was going to be their right tackle. That never made any sense to me. Is there any world in which they think that Juwan James could play this season? Whether that's not ready for Week One, uh, yeah, but it's just... that could be there if the Villanueva thing doesn't work out. Is there some world in which they've done their math and they say, well, yeah, he's going to have to start the, the season on the the pup list, but we we think that you know he could be ready to go um, midway through the season after we took a look at you know got some more information about it right we don't think it's a sure thing that he's definitely going to miss the entirety of the year i don't know i don't know any of this because this is so out of nowhere now I, I was saying this to you during the break but you would have to assume this is a backloaded deal i i would think because he's going to miss a a rather large portion of the 2021 season so you would have to expect this would be a backloaded deal, but I'm not. I'm not positive in saying that, um, and I don't know exactly how the Ravens are going to make this this work in cap. Brian McFarland will obviously uh, give us a clear picture of that, yeah. but it's it's an interesting move. I I think you know, like you said, he was a quality tackle, um, but you never know how guys are going to come back from from such a serious injury like the one he had. So it's. It's it's definitely a a odd move and not something I expected. You know, you would expect them to to sign. Justin Houston today instead of, of uh, Jawan James. No doubt, no doubt. And this could be their argument for why they couldn't do Julio Jones. You know what I mean? Like, Which would this be... Could be... No, and Adam Schefter-Dill still says he's expected to miss the year. Okay, okay. Well... Man, maybe I'm maybe the Ravens don't think that 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 could be. No, I mean I I don't. It, that, if if that was the case, Adam Schefter wouldn't be saying that. I, True. I assure, Fair enough. I assure you that's Fair the case. Um, so I you know I I I don't know what to say. That they think so highly of Jawan James that that they want to have him as their plan for their right tackle for 2022. Cool. I mean, like, cool. It's it's forward thinking, and there's They're playing the long game essentially, right? And that's and that's that can be a very good thing. It's essentially declaring, you're making it very clear. We don't think Villanueva is more than a one year plan. And I think which then we goes would agree. back to. By the way, I don't know that it's a one. I'm struggling with it being a one year. Plan yeah, I would Villanueva. agree with that, that too. Yeah. This is fascinating. I don't know what else to say. It's really fascinating. It's fascinating, um, 
But there doesn't appear to be any more gray area there. It, it, Adam Schefter is saying that the understand is the way uh, Dewan James opted out last year and is expected to miss this year, but now will rehab in Baltimore with his sights set on returning in 2022. All right. There you have it. Ah, here are the details. $500,000 this year. Yeah, okay. So very backward. And so it's an $8 million deal. There we go. Okay. Next year. Makes, a, makes a lot of sense. And so that it essentially... They didn't want someone else to scoop him up. They it gave is, him, And it essentially confirms that Villanueva is not part of the plans for 2022, yes. which is not... That's not surprising. And no. even, I'm assuming, Alejandro Villanueva knew that when he signed here. And you would also yeah. have to think the Ravens would still have to bring in maybe one more small insurance policy for Ronnie Stanley. You would have to think that would, for 2021, obviously. Well, you say that, or unless they think that Villanueva's that, that, that Villanueva the policy and Tyree Phillips is the, the right time. Oh, I like, hope not. <laughs> I hope that is not the case. I don't know. I, don't, I was not as down on Tyree Phillips as I think a lot of people were. Fair enough. I, I, Fair I enough. mean, I get why people think he's a guard, not a tackle. Like I understand yeah, that, but I'm, as I think there's a possibility that that he could play right tackle for two games, three games. I don't know, something along those lines. I'm not as could down. he fill in? Absolutely, yes. I'm not doubting that. Yeah. Um, you know, they 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 thought enough of him to pick him as high as they did. Yep. So. All right, very good. Uh, why don't you tell everybody about KNS Automotive? Is All right, for more than 40 years, KNS Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work, call KNS now at 410-235-6660 or go to knsimports.com. That's KNS Automotive at knsimports.com. All right, uh, tidbit. Let's get to it. Tidbit today is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buy a toyota.com make the most out of every day in a toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today what you got all right so I, i was thinking about the julio jones trade and i was thinking you know Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback that I think a lot of people undervalue to a, to a certain degree. Obviously, he's made the playoffs the past couple of years. He's now he's not the guy he was with the Dolphins, but I don't think people truly accept Ryan Tannehill for the guy he is now. He's a, a very solid quarterback. So there's a stat that ESPN has called expected points and the expected points added. Glenn, are you familiar I'm with the familiar stat? Familiar with it? Okay, yes. essentially, yeah. So it it's basically the the basic understanding of it is that. It grades how much a quarterback is affecting the team's ability on each play and each circumstance to score points. That's essentially the, the very basic understanding of it. And then expected points added, EPA, is the difference between the beginning of a play and the, uh, the end of a play. Essentially, that's the, the very basic look at it. ESPN's got a whole article on it if you're mm-hmm. interested in learning more. But uh, the top quarterbacks in EPA in 2020, we have Patrick Mahomes at number one, 138.1 EPA. That's extremely good. You're trying to suggest that, that he's good? I, I, would, I, would, I, would agree, I would agree Patrick Mahomes is a very good okay. quarterback. Uh, number two, Josh Allen, 128.6. Number three, Aaron Rodgers at 113.1. By the way, Lamar Jackson does not appear in this list, unfortunately, which I think is interesting. Uh, but number four, Russell Wilson. Again, these are all things you would kind of expect, 102.9. But you jump down to the number eight guy on this list, and it's Ryan Tannehill at 95.3. Okay. Ryan Tannehill is, is going to be consistently undervalued for who he is because of the Dolphin he was and not of the Titan he no, is. No, I, look, he's played, um, he's played well. Now, they don't ask him to do nearly as much, and that's part of the story, right? Like On this list, he's right above Tom Brady, who is at 94.7. Oh, okay, but what and is Tom that Brady, guy ever done? Yeah, what, yeah, seriously. Um, 
So, yeah, it's an accomplishment for sure. And a guy as good as Lamar Jackson, who scores a lot of points for his team, does not even appear on this list. So right. maybe, you know, Ryan Tannehill, it's a, it's a good spot for Julio Jones for sure. He's a good quarterback, and, and he's going to make the best of, of Julio, I'm sure. All right. What do you got for uh, trivia? All right. I you, you said you read a streaks book the other day. Um, oh, when, I didn't when read I, it the other day. I well, I know, it well yeah. when I did my, my trivia yeah. the other day, you said you read a streaks book. Yep, I did. Um, well, Cedric Mullins. Specifically, the John Eisenberg book, The Streaks. Yes, exactly. Um, Cedric Mullins, nine, hit, nine straight at bats with hits um he was one short of the oriole record which was ken singleton with 10 um two players in history are tied for 11 straight at bats with a hit who are they say that one more time okay sorry two players in yes. history are yep. tied for 11 straight at bats with a hit 11 straight at bats who are they Cedric Mullins was at nine. This was not. This was not something. This was not covered in the streak book. It wasn't about hitting. It was not stage. in the streak book. Good. This I'm was, glad to hear uh, that. The streak book was just about playing. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I Pete Rose would seem like a reasonable guess. Pete Rose is not one of the two. Are they prominent people? Yes, they, very. Okay. Uh, one of them more so than the other, I would say, but both very, very solid players. Um, and and definitely you know of them. I will give you a hint on one of them. Um, just retired. Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb is not one of them. Okay. Uh, but one of them just retired fairly recently. And by by fairly, I mean actually pretty very recently. Pretty, pretty very recently. Pretty very recently, Pretty, yes. pretty yes. very recently. Uh, very recently is the, is, the, is the word we'll go with there. Pedroia. Dustin Pedroia is one of them. Okay, all right. That is one of them. That sounds like something Dustin Pedroia would have done at some point. I would say, I mean, both are very, very solid players, but the other one played for 16 years in the majors. Uh Um, Maybe not the Hall of Famer that Pedroia will be, but a very solid player at that. It's not Ichiro. It is not Ichiro. That's a very good guess, though. It's not Tony Gwynn. It is not Tony Gwynn. Also a very good guess. I was trying to think of hitters. I was trying to think of six... 16 years, not a Hall of Famer. No. Man. He's Man. a five-time All-Star, a four-time World Series champion. Oh. Four-time Gold Glove winner. Four-time World Series champion. Paul O'Neill? Not Paul O'Neill, but you're on the right track. You're very close to that guess, actually. Very. Bernie Williams? Bernie Williams is number Bernie two. Bernie Williams. Bernie really? Williams. 11 straight really? at-bats with hits. How about that? I did not know that about Bernie Williams, who who actually was a guest on the show and was a really great guy. Oh, that's guy. great. Okay. And it, no, it made me it made it made me so angry because I wanted to hate <laughs> him so much, and he was he couldn't yeah. have been a, could not have been a nicer guy. Damn. All right, very good. That was a good one. I like that. And um and and wait, so Cedric Mullins ended up getting it at bat with a nine. Nine. Without, nine yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, very good. Tibbet was also brought to you today by Glory Days Grill. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary. They're giving you the gifts because you get the amazing menu with, uh, oh, God, the smoky thigh wings, oh, the uh, ancient, uh, the barbecue chicken bowl with the ancient grains, the turtle cheesecake, silver anniversary IPA, and more. Find out more about your, at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill or by going to glorydaysgrill.com. Tubular, brought to you today by C3. Tell me about C3, Zach. All right, call C3 American Exteriors to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. All right, here's what's coming up tonight. As uh, Jerry mentioned, kind of a lame night in uh, sports land this evening. The yeah. Orioles are off. French Open continues. Raphael Nadal. Ends up coming back late in the first set to win the first set against Yannick Sinner, so he's not actually in trouble 
as it looked like he was going to be. Sinner had the chance to serve out the first set, but this is Rafael Nadal in Paris. Um, Iga Sviantec still to come. TNT tonight, Bucks nets game two at 7.30. My attention will, of course, be uh, the Nuggets and Suns, game one tonight at 10 o'clock on TNT. NBCSN, Islanders-Bruins, game five at 6.30. NHL Network for Jets, Canadiens, game four at 8. MLB Network, Marlins-Red Sox at 5. ESPN's got Cubs-Padres at 10. USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw. There's also I, the there's more the women's and men's uh, NCAA the women's college World Series and the NCAA yep. men's baseball yep. tournament. I'm just not going to go through and and give you every single game. I think the actual finals of the women's start tomorrow though, so we'll talk about that then. Um, some non-sports that are worth mentioning, Zach. Yeah, so American Ninja Warrior, uh, kind of a, kind of a fan favorite on NBC at 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, Fallon has Robert De Niro tonight. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel has SNL's A.D. Bryant tonight. Here's my A.D. Bryant. I really like A.D. Bryant. Shrill, yeah, she's very shrill, good. She's very good. Shrill's just not good. It's just not good, and nobody, want, nobody wants to say it. <laughs> it there's a, it, this is a bigger problem, and I'm not trying to do a, you know, like a, 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 a woke thing or a cancel. Like I, nobody wants to acknowledge the problems with Shrill because the concept is a good concept. The idea of having a show that's about, you know, the end. I have not of, seen it personally. It's it's the the characters are problematic. The story's problematic. The concept is body positive and all that, and that's those are good things. But it gets conflated because the characters aren't that great. And somebody might say, "Well, hey, that's that's the idea. The idea is nobody's perfect, right? Except that it takes away from the message that you're trying to give by the fact that." It's hard to tell who's the, the, the one, who's in the right and who's in the wrong in a lot of these circumstances. So it's just not it's and it's not slapstick funny. It's funny at times, mm-hmm. but it's not pee your pants funny the way that some NBC associated comedies have been. It's not yeah. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's not Girls Five Eva is gold. I mean, it's so good. This is 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 just it's not even. I, I won't even. I can't even give it fine. It's not particularly good. It's 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 less out of ten. What is your score? It's like a four point two. It sounds like it's slightly under five. Oh, yep. Okay. It's slightly under five. Okay. It's 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 not. I've watched worse, but I really regret the fact that I went back for season. I, three. I will not rush to see it now. After after the way season two ended, I said I won't do it. Kyle tried to convince me to watch season three. It's like they address a little bit of that, but they didn't move it forward. They just created more okay. problems. So. All right, uh, American Dad, do the cartoon on at 9.30 on TBS. No. You never know. A lot of people okay. might love that. And The Bachelorette premieres ah, tonight at 8 p.m. on ABC. No doubt. All right, uh, Zach, appreciate it. Uh, uh, Tubular was also brought to you today by uh, Tucker Fest, which is coming up on June 27th at Jerry's Toyota. Get your meet and greet passes for the greatest kicker of all time right now at greateightsmemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, greateightsmemorabilia.com. Thanks for coming in and doing an extra day with us, man. No problem. Anytime. Appreciate Anytime. it. On Twitter, you are? At OriolesFan68. And the bat around again this Saturday. Yep. Every Saturday, 10 to noon. Uh, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Less Jawan James. Less <laughs> flipping out about wide receivers. Baseball on Saturdays with uh, Zach and Paul. Yep. Every week. Appreciate it. And if you missed this past week's show with uh, Zach and Ryan, you can find it. Uh, by clicking on or going to the same locations then clicking on the Bat Around logo, and you can check it out there. All right, thanks today to uh, Derek Mason. Thanks also to Greg Rosenthal and uh, to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives tab at glennclarkradio.com. Very nicely done. 
No idea. I think Kyle's yeah, back tomorrow. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we shall see. Maybe if I am here tomorrow, that means Kyle's not. Means it might be might be time to be concerned. It might be time <laughs> to call a senator or something like that, and see what's going on. But uh, Kyle back, maybe stuff and things. Normally on Tuesdays we make our trip to Bowie. We didn't do it that. I don't. I don't know, man. We'll find <laughs> out. We'll find out. Uh, thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Sports and Social Maryland, the U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, K&S Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Eights Memorabilia, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer. Follow him on Twitter at Ottenheimer. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go, sons. I don't care what you think. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.